Right. So, all you birds and blokes out there, the three amigos went on their own for this one and brought engineer extraordinaire Mike Mahalik along for the ride for this very special heartache episode. We get a Nick Hornby's High Fidelity, Elvis Costello's My Aim is True. We do our version of his I'm Not Angry. And Samuel Smith's Oatmeal Stout is what we'll be diving into. We talk about love, musicians' rights, and how to not be a dick, among other things. And well, that's all I wrote. So, fuck Valentine's Day and be good to one another. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fourth episode of Book Record Beer. We are fully confident in this upcoming episode because you know what? This is some stuff that uh, that we that we love. We're talking about a book that's about music. Um, mm. High Fidelity, Nick Hornby's debut novel. Uh, we are also going to get into Elvis Costello's debut album, My Aim is True, uh, from which we'll be covering a song from there. Uh, entitled I'm Not Angry, and uh, we will be jumping into some Sam Smith. And I say jumping because I would love to jump into a vat of Sam Smith <laughs> like Scrooge McFucking Duck because of the head on that oatmeal stout is so thick. And, mm. oh, my God, fluff nation. It's the so, way I want to go. Yeah. Just, oh. just like uh, in, in uh, Beer, Beer Fest. Fest. Yeah. What's his name? <laughs> Fucking... It's not- Tank dozer, it's a no uh, gallon chug. What's his name? It's, it's out of control. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, fucking Farva. Um, so, in any case, let's get right into it. Let's get into the novel because we have some uh, of our own top five lists prepared, uh, and we really hope that um, you know some of the uh, the listeners, of course, start to compile their own. Are we going to be um, introduced? Should we we be? are. We are. Uh, and as always, I am here oh, with. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Daniel DeFranco to my left. Give him a hello. Give him a what for. Oh, that's my cue. Hi, yeah, we got it. You know, Hi, I'm Daniel. Recognize the voice. Uh, Nick Gregorio to my right. Hello, everyone. The three amigos will be here today. Uh, and uh, we also have my brother, our uh, consummate professional engineer, uh, Michael Mahalik. Uh, he's going to be he's gonna be jumping in on, on this a little bit as well. Say hello, Mike. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> First time on a mic, how's it feel? Does it feel good? It feels excellent. Good. Good. Because mm-hmm. we, we were just yelling at you and all you could hear is... I, yeah, I feel yeah. like the, the spirit in the headphones. I dig it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I did used to like when he'd be like through the... He'd be coming through our mics like the, through the yeah. wall. The background. I like that door. too. What does that mean? <laughs> Slacktivism. Mike in the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> what was that word again? Um, all right. So, so to get into it, uh, I'll be honest. I took... Tons of notes while while reading this um, because this uh, much different from uh, when we were talking about Fight Club, right? We're comparing it to the movie quite a bit. The movies both insanely popular for uh, adaptations of both of these texts. Um, this one I saw the movie before reading the book. I saw this movie twice in the theaters. <laughs> I saw it in America, and then I spent. Uh, I, was, I was fortunate enough to spend the summer over in uh, Dublin. <clears throat> no shit. And my long term girlfriend. Long term, girl, two months, a month. <laughs> um, long term, but you know, you're 19. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, uh, she broke up with me over email. Ew. And then, uh, that's a little gross. And then I went, <laughs> went to see this movie again. Yeah, 
I I went for a run. I was in a, in a, a deep, did nothing for me. See, I'm the opposite, man. I was in a deep, dark, depressed place, and I I went for a run to try and break myself out of it. Yeah. Came home, and it was. I've always wanted to see it. It was literally just starting. I sat in in uh, the living room, uh, the lights off, and I was just watching it. They just I just didn't turn them on. Fucking sitting there watching it. I was just crying. I was just like, this is um, this is just hit me so hard because I'm such a dick. Yeah, and, you know, and it was just one of those <laughs> things where you where you realize you you just you blew it for yourself. Like you blew it, and that's a really that's a that's such a tough thing to reconcile. Like where he's talking about how he has the recurring dreams and all that stuff. Like that happens. That mm-hmm. still happens, right? If I if my alarm goes off and I go back to sleep, I have the same dream every single time. It fucking sucks. Mm. And and it's your fault. You being me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. Uh, so I have a very strong emotional attachment. Open up the heart to you guys today. Getting deep. Getting deep. Um, and uh, no, that was something that I, I, I didn't even really remember uh, un- until until uh, I was reading it again. I was like, oh, wow, this actually, memories have, you know, flooding back. This actually has a real lot of significance to uh, my life. And um, he nails a lot of our fears as men, I think, through this. Uh, uh, absolutely. A, lo- a lot of our views on um, relationships. There was so many times that I was like, I, I literally, I have copious notes here. It's like, he fucking nailed it. Like, exclamation, <laughs> bolded. Uh, uh, and there's there's a number of those. Um, I, do, I, I do, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it, uh, kind of pull away. But essentially, what we have here is a man, Rob, whose uh, woman has just walked out on him. Right. Uh, his lady has left and uh, and he starts the the novel by addressing her uh, and naming all the other women who have really ripped his heart apart. Uh, um, he argues, of course, uh, in the beginning, uh, these women have have hurt me more than you have, Laura, and there's no way you're making this top five list. Um, and 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 so he's he starts. Uh, essentially the first what 30 pages 30 or so, pages yeah uh with a top five yeah which validates that device you know what i mean because mm-hmm. through the entire book you get these top five lists of top five albums top five singles from a movie you know yeah, all, all yeah. kinds of like random but fun stuff that that music guys tend to talk about um yeah. but by starting the book with a 30 page long top five list um, instead of it being like a cheeky sort of silly add-in to the book itself, you have a valid piece of character development that starts right off the bat and runs through the entire thing. There's a certain guy who makes lists all the time. Totally. About everything. I am I, one of them. Yeah. Oh, so I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I was going to say, usually those types of guys don't do anything. They just make lists. Yeah. Yeah. They don't take action. Well, I will say, for a long time, I did nothing and made lots of lists. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm a little bit of the opposite there. I've always done a zillion things yeah. and always made lists so that I would make sure to do them all because mm. I could uh, be diverted into uh, doing one and then figuring out three other fucking things that aren't on the list that yeah. I could do and then half the list goes on. Regular little Gatsby over there. Since 2006. <laughs> yeah, I have my exercises in the morning, <laughs> my calisthenics. Since 2006, I've kept the running log of all the novels and other sorts of books that I've read. Oh no shit! Yeah, and no wonder your Goodreads is so much bigger than mine. Because it's uh, like I, as soon as I heard of Goodreads, I was like, I gotta go get my list. I need to import this list. 
Clay, you gotta import this Excel yeah, it's spreadsheet. On a, it's on an Excel spreadsheet as like date of completion. It's so bizarre. Wow. It's so bizarre. Well, anyway. you take pride in it. I think Love one it. thing about the list making that we see here is um, uh, he's re- incredibly reflective. Uh, but he's also a, a pretty selfish dude. So his reflection mm-hmm. is is really biased and skewed uh, to to uh, painting the picture that he wants to see. Yep. Uh, and that and sort of makes him uh, feel better, you know, placing blame on other people and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's interesting because um, you get into this idea where you're agreeing with him, you're agreeing with him, you're agreeing with him, and then you kind of get blinded to that really sort of necessary character trait to identify, which is his his selfishness and his right. sort of closed mindedness. Um, right. I think like immediately culpability. Immediately you're on his side. You know what I mean? I've been broken up with real badly. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you, Rob. And he's put. And I think that gets us into one of the first uh, major differences. Comes on uh, page eighteen or so. Uh, the tattoo is the the first thing. Besides, like the timeline of when he met these women and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but the the tattoo is the first thing, uh, and that whole relationship uh, is the first thing that is completely different from the book to the movie. And I, I know we we said we're not going to harp on that. We we have to mention the differences though, because um, the one major thing they do is. They a make Rob look like more of a dick, yeah, and arguably more human in that way. Uh, in the movie, in the book, yeah, and yeah, okay, in yeah, the movie's the, way more sympathetic, exactly, yes. because the movie also really limits the character development of the females in the in the in the story. And I feel like here, um, we start to see we see way more Laura in the book yeah. um, and a number of her scenes that I thought really really shaped her as a character uh, are removed. Uh, that exist in the book are removed in the in the movie. They but, want to give they wanted to give Jack Black some more screen time, right? Right. <laughs> Although I will say Jack Black is almost saying verbatim. Oh yeah, uh, what his character in the book <laughs> he's says. He's awesome. Yeah. Oh, he's great. He's... And he, I hear it in Jack Black's voice. So we were talking about that with Fight Club from the first yeah. episode. Um, you know, I know Eric was mentioning it was difficult to create your own characters because yeah. you had these already in mind. I know reading this, it was it was nearly impossible. To, to see Rob as anybody else. I know. You're totally right. You know, yeah. and, and Liz, too, because uh, it's his sister in the movie, um, mm. and she's way more on his side here, but she's shocked. That is shocking. <laughs> I, 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 use, I use that uh, uh, gif or whatever all the time. I love it. That is shocking. Because it is. Uh, but okay, so back to it. The first thing that I think is, is the big thing uh, worthy of note here is the tattoo. Mm. He goes to get a tattoo of this uh, girl who, after months of pursuing to break up the marriage of the uh, middle school, essentially, right. um, realizes once he gets her that he's, he doesn't want her. Right? And it was just really that, uh, the, the challenge that really enticed him. The thrill and, of chase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I love that he does it in like a middle school setting. Yeah. Because it is such an immature sort of <laughs> uh, look sure. at uh, relationships and stuff like that. Uh, but what's really cool is is the, the tattooist is this you know burly, swarthy, like uh, scary dude. And he's like the elder and the gatekeeper of love. <laughs> he's the tattooist. <laughs> which I think is, I think that's so, such a cool character to throw in there because how many fucking times has that guy seen somebody come in and get yeah. uh, a person's name tattooed on how right. long have you been going out with this chick yeah he, he grills him <laughs> yeah yeah beat it <laughs> get on then yeah, yeah. or whatever oh, right. you know british slang he uses get for, the fuck out of what's here, british for beat it yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, he he messes them up. I believe it's, it's beats hit. <laughs> oh no! On with you, <laughs> boo me. Yeah. Someone boo me. Yeah, um, boo. But the, <laughs> Thank you, Mike. The, I think the excellent the excellent part of that too is that he breaks up the marriage, and the whole school, maybe at least the class, gets really disillusioned with love after that. Because a general malaise falls yeah, over the class. They, they realize because they held those two in such high esteem. Yep. And then Rob is able to break them up yeah. with all these secret fucking trysts yeah. and stuff. And uh, it's like Brad and Jennifer when that happens, right? Right. Oh, and, and everybody man. becomes disillusioned then they can't with make love. It. Yeah, they can't do it. Then no one can. And even when they get back together, yeah. it's got this really tainted yeah, no sort good. of. Yeah, it's it's no longer what well, it's it was. It's funny because like that 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 more or less happened. In my grade school, in eighth grade, when this guy who was a football player, super popular, uh, was broken up with from his girlfriend, and the whole class was just like, "I can't believe this." In happened. morning, like I, everybody's wearing black stripes. Yeah, like, <laughs> I can't. I don't know what else to do. I don't believe in love anymore. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, sometimes you feel like you just want to run away. <laughs> sometimes you feel like you just gotta <laughs> get away. <laughs> I mean. Right <laughs> from the I'm losing the thread. Ah, I, I, I really wanted you to come in. Gotta get away. Uh, get the boom, boom. And there we go. Right, yeah, nice. uh, so uh, it's interesting too because he is referencing, uh, and, and right after that, he, he talks about how uh, pop music, am I miserable because I listen to pop music? And, yeah. you know, and that, that, that whole thing comes up. That is very poignant. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Christ, no one's got problem with, with thousands upon thousands of songs about heartbreak. No, like, yeah, it's amazing. Well, I mean, especially if you look at my deep cut. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I like how you said that. Um, I, I I will say, you know, and we talk about it all the time. You know, in class, I don't, I don't know if you guys do too, but like the kids are like, why the fuck is all the literature we read about death? heartache and and loss because that's know? life kids that's right. life yeah yeah and, it, and it's why does tragedy but it's not you know there's right but 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 it's it's funny because uh you know when you when you think about um drama let's say right tragedy has has is more poignancy and staying power usually than yeah. than comedy you know and what we see comedy is where it kind of bridges that gap and becomes like black humor and satire and 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 does that kind of thing and uh it's it's really interesting because when you look at you know, not that awards are any indication of anything because they're they're mostly bullshit. But like when you look at uh, the movies that win awards, mostly they're like the real tragic. Often they're the tragic true stories that were that were uh, turned made cinematic. And and I don't know. I feel like people I, like the triumph of the human will. I mean, I well, I think that that's a part of it. But I also think that uh, the more uh, poignant memories and 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 the more. Uh, impactful experiences we have are those ones that are really fucking tragic because as you say i think that's a really good point uh we survive them right and and but they they make an impact those traumatic experiences make such an impact um that it's 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 impossible to to not recognize that you know they're the ones that stick with us whereas you know you guys have said some really funny shit to me but I don't necessarily think that I remember that stuff nearly as much as as the more sort of bonding, you know, yeah. real uh, sad, arguably tragic things that have been shared. Yeah. Should we you share know? those? 
Taking a turn. This is a. <laughs> I think my my. I always I love sad and tragic movies and books and stuff, and I'll be like, why why do you love that movie? I saw Manchester by the Sea. And I think it might be my favorite film ever. I was afraid because that was getting so much hype. And anytime Dude, that happens, I always, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a piece of shit. It is a novel of a film. It seems great. It's amazing. It seems great. And I saw, and I saw it with my parents and my wife. Um, and they were like, that was really good, but that was so depressing. I was like, what do you mean that was depressing? Yeah. It was redemptive and wonderful. And I love sadness. And this just feels great. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I they, love they, sadness. They, they looked at me like I was insane. Yeah. Casey yeah. Affleck's fun to watch. You know, he's pretty good. Oh, yeah. 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 I think you put the wrong afflaction on the right syllable there. <laughs> oh, ben Affleck and Casey Affleck. How do you say it? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> the Affleck brothers. It's, it's actually interesting that you guys say that about... Uh, I'm looking at the door like he's... Uh, but yeah, fucking, I'm invisible right now. But uh, what you're saying about like movies having tragedy and these needing to be redemptive and everything... Uh, when I took those indie indie film classes, the uh, the whole movement was actually counter to that. Uh, the whole Jim Jarmusch and, and um, Mumblecore stuff was all the right, stuff yeah. that it was mm. like, we're trying to defy these tropes of like good and evil and humanity has to prevail and or be forever sad and stuff like that. So it's interesting that like those movies are the ones that their whole impact is... Um, the opposite of those things that have been proven to have impact on playing with hum- humans like inherent qualities or just or just to 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 say that that we're more than just those things like don't yeah. limit yeah exactly yourself. like explore the the everyday the mundane and everything and some yeah. of those mumblecore films are really spectacular some of them right. are some of them aren't some like, of them <laughs> are some of them are fucking the, the one thing that i i hate is weirdness for weirdness sake yeah, yeah. and yeah. some of them are that and yeah. that that really gets under my skin because not to say that there isn't talent but it it uh it just bothers me. Yeah. I, I, I I have trouble articulating why it just really does. Sure. It's I think it's a lack of critical awareness, uh, like analysis of what they're taking in. You know, they're it's very superficial. On, it's just yeah. this for this sake. It's like it's like uh, you know if you read something and it almost only has topical references in it. Yeah. yeah. What's the staying power? You know what yeah. what are you really getting at? Um and and how does it how does it last with it? Because he has a number of them. Which that's one of the things I was going to bring up. Was anybody uh, taken aback or surprised that he? is not he's a fan of almost exclusively american artists mm. hmm. number one and number two uh that was his thing though like right. soul and funk absolutely yeah. absolutely and he 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 definitely develops a pretty strong hierarchy which a number of uh audiophiles i know um and, and people that really take the music seriously have a very similar hierarchy to his yeah so he he's established himself as, as no joke right off the bat i think that yeah. might have been a british thing in the 90s though right the commitments was not the movie yeah, yeah. The, it that was, was because that's based on a novel as well yeah um yeah. however that the 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 thing that that gets me is is he doesn't he he, he doesn't mention joy division uh or, or any of those bands uh from um uh, the factory records. Mm-hmm. He mentions no factory records uh, bands, which are not far from where this takes place, mm-hmm. uh, and were a major movement around then. And 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 he explicitly says that he listens to pop, of course, and they're not necessarily pop, right? Um, of course, you know, Joy Division becomes um, what you call it though, uh, um, New Order. 
which is very pop. And New Order is great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you see, I'm more well, Joy Division first, on that the end. The first but, New Order record's great. But in any case, they don't get mentioned at all. Did anybody, I don't know, think about or feel about that? There's 50 different artists and songs mentioned in this out in this yeah. in this novel, uh, and and yet I think Joy Division gets one mention, but it's like an aside about some like punk person. I wouldn't say it bothered me, but he seemed like sort of just like he was just on one note. It's like I mm. like American soul and funk and right. R and B, and like, there was only a, yeah, a couple it's e- times. It's I got easy a to say I like Motown. Yeah, it's like, yeah, cause, <laughs> right, because it's good. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's. Purposefully good. Yeah. Are you, are you a music uh, aficionado because you like Motown? No. No. You well, you could like, actually be the total opposite. Go to somebody's record stack, put on Motown, and appear to be. Yeah. If for no other reason than you picked a a good album, you know yeah. that people can dance to. Sure. But that's uh, that, I think that that ties into the other thing that um takes major precedent in the book that isn't necessarily in the uh, movie at all. Um, it's mentioned that he was a DJ, but his redemption is in being a DJ in the book. Yep. Right. The funky wizards, the kinky wizards, rather. I'm sorry, uh, have no place in this in this at all. He doesn't become a record uh, label uh, owner and proprietor or whatever. Uh, he he is redeemed because Laura uh, sets up a comeback DJ gig for yep. this very very cool Groucho Club concept that they had. Um, I thought that was awesome. So I, I, I don't know. What do we think? Uh, any thoughts on that one? I thought uh, that was super cool. It's, I think it's a great choice. You know, just from you have such a you have a guy who listens to music and is super critical about music um, and people who don't like his music. Then going back to becoming a DJ to play music for other people. Yeah. And then even with him, you know, making the mixtape. I was going to say, it ties um, directly into the yeah, mixtape. Yeah, making the mixtape for with songs that Laura would like, mm. as opposed to th- songs that he likes. Again, that's his redemption. Yeah, is, yeah is, and I think that's a really good choice on, on Hornby's part. Well, it's more redemptive for his relationship to Laura, not sure. his own life. He's. I didn't get the sense that the Groucho Club was going to be successful. I did get the sense, though, that he uh, recognized that he has it pretty goddamn good. Yeah. He's such a whiny... Not a bitch, but he's he's such a whiny dude uh, about because because think about it, like and 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 this might be a cultural thing that I'm not aware of, but if you owned a record store here, like say uh, you own Main Street Records, right? Yeah, Main Street Music. Main Street Music. Yeah, you, you're 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 pretty cool, and 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 I'm not sure that he's bemoaning his status in life because he only owns a record store. Like that's awesome, yeah. Uh, and and there's there is like this really sort of like, and maybe it's the '90s too. This 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 bourgeois, uh, you know, lawyer, doctor, whatever, you know, elitist sort of um, occupational thing where where if you're not one of those things, uh, then 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 what are you? And right, he's, and he's, I, he feels so lowly and sorry for himself, you know. And then also, I mean, clearly this is a, a British book, yeah. So I mean, it could be very different i I don't don't know who's to say you know but exactly yeah um i agree but you're right though i would i've wanted to own a record store forever yeah uh i think that'd be the best my my dream oh top five no my my my, uh, like dream job i think because i i love uh being a teacher of course but i think i would love to have a venue that was pool hall uh like a like a uh, 
whatchamacallit, writers, uh, free, uh, no, no, uh, mighty writers. Like a might. So yeah. like after school, it was like a mighty writers. Mm-hmm. It was a pool hall at night and then had shows on the weekend. Dude, you got to pick one and just be good at it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, what I was it? The Sambas? But that's not what this podcast is about. Yeah. Yeah. Three <laughs> things. No, it's all about the three. Diversify. <laughs> Diversify your mind. Um, so, so, so you're like the kids, you know, like are going to be like pool sharks. I just. So no, like, I wasn't combining. With a, with like a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> like this table after they is finish their, after they finish their homework. Yeah. <laughs> they just swig in milk. Yeah. 16 year old hustlers. <laughs> yeah. I I mean no nah, that would be that'd be sweet but in any case yeah I guess that might be a British thing. Um, I was gonna say doesn't Barry remind him though how awesome his his job is like having a record store doesn't he always like bring it up that like I thought like there's I I know in the movie there's that scene where he's like I thought this was the privilege we had now of having a record store we can pick whatever music we want like yeah that's more to shit on Rob uh, a little bit because Rob shuts down the uh, um what, what's the, the uh, Cheryl Crow or. No, uh, <laughs> I don't think she had quite broke yet when this book. Was <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she was still uh, Michael Jackson's background yeah. singer at that. I'm point. thinking uh, of the the Walking on Sunshine. Walking on Sunshine. Yeah, he he shuts that down because he's really he hasn't told them yet that Laura has left, um, and or, or they he just did and he was trying to lighten yeah. the mood and stuff. Yeah. But I think in the book actually I think that's a difference. I think in the book he hasn't yet told them, and in mm. the movie they already know. But in any case, huh. um, I don't feel like he's sad enough that his. His lady just left. So here's the thing, Maybe and, this, and this is a more major than Rob. But. This is this is this is a this is a major thing. We get um, he does a really good job, Hornby, of giving us these uh, these traits that we just immediately accept, right? These yep. things that he says, these things that he does that we immediately <clears throat> accept, like the listing, right? Mm-hmm. Immediately accept it. It is what it is. He has this comment that hit me so hard, um, where he makes note that it might be the last thing he says to Sarah, to, um, to her mother, uh, uh, to Laura's mother. Right. Um, he says, no problem. And it's just this little innocuous thing. Cause, cause he realizes, Oh man, she doesn't yet know that we're broken up. And that might be the last thing I say to her. Right. And, um, you this know, woman you've had holidays with, you've been over there on Sundays. Exactly. If they ask about each other's health and you know, yeah, you've been like family essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause they were together for a long time. And, and that was the thing like, um, uh, the, you know, like I said, when I, when I for, uh, saw this movie I cried, it was a very, uh, it was after a very, very big breakup of the longest relationship I was, was in. And, um, I remember distinctly that moment when I gave, um, uh, her uh, father a hug and like things were weird and 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 I think and it felt like he went out of his way to make sure he gave me a hug because he never really did that and it felt like he knew that was the last time he was gonna see me mm. and that that was and then and, it, and it actually ended up being that way mm. and I and that just really really struck me because you start thinking about wow the last time that you saw this person being cognizant of that in that moment yeah uh, just 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 being aware of it in real time is is such like a um and i think that's where he really does like that's that's a pretty significant feeling and thing to note in real time that he had to care because the whole time i'm questioning does rob know how to love does he actually love these women right because you go through his top five and he didn't love any of them they were there they 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 served a purpose they he Mm -hmm. loved what they represented 
to him. Mm-hmm. He didn't love them as as people. And when you watch the movie, that lack of characterization of, of Laura really, really hurts that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in here, in the book, because we get more Laura and she's more uh, uh, fleshed out with a number of different scenes, we also get this idea that, that perhaps Rob does really... Um, know how to love and does and does love her the only thing that holds me up is i know you guys are going to disagree with me uh the only thing that that kind of stymies that for me is this sweeping sort of generalization that he does where he makes the argument that he is always trying to jump to the next rock he's always listening to his guts he's always keeping his options open because he knows that uh whoever he's with could die at any moment and that death is this ominous sort of like ever-present um, cloud that he's failed to recognize has actually mm-hmm. hindered him from having meaningful relationships. Um, and I felt like that was a cop-out. I, I really felt like him him saying that it's that it's death and not all these other things like his selfishness and his mm-hmm. immaturity that he's failed to uh, recognize um, is actually what's holding him, holding him back. Well, yeah. I mean... You, I think it is a cop out, but I think it's a cop out in a very intense personal way. Because I experienced a death uh, in like five or six, five years ago, um, and it totally made me feel that. You know, I'm I'm gonna ping pong from this to this. I'm gonna do whatever I want because this can go away at any point. Um, right, and. Yeah, I mean, that was my excuse. I mean, it was a whole bunch of other things, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, Rob is still having this... I mean, he's still finding out his his shit, you know, when he comes to this conclusion that the fear of death of other people around him is what, you know, gives him the fear to commit, and that's why he's going from thing to thing to thing. Um, Cop out or not, I think it's effective for Rob's character because... I mean, when when you do deal with that, you don't really have uh, any other way to put your head around it. Right. I just wish that it was grouped into another one of these things mm-hmm. that are contributing factors. And that's why I meant with like a pain with he, he re- that gets kind of pumped up yeah. as the thing. Uh, and he, he says, you know, and, and it's weird, too, because when he talks about his parents, he's like, I, I don't know that I would care. If my parents, I, I wouldn't be as upset if my parents passed, you know, and stuff like that. And there were these weird sort of things that led me to think where I, by the end, actually started questioning if he had ever had like a true love, like an intense, because he says he had never had a crush when yeah. he was really crushing on somebody like that. And then I also want to take it a step further, right? Had he ever had that true intense love? Because they end up saying, I'm really fucking tired, man. Mm-hmm. Um, let's and it's not settling, but it is in a way. And and you know what I mean? Like I don't know. I, th- I think Hornby was was just using it as his device to prove, uh, to show, to show that when Rob realizes that Laura is the one for him, that he actually is realizing that he loves her and that he didn't Enough love that anybody he would else. be upset if she died. Yeah, I'll, I'll read the passage that he says. So it says, uh. When I nestled onto Lara's back in the night, I was afraid because I didn't want to lose her. And we always lose someone or they lose us in the end. I'd rather not take the risk. I'd rather not come home from work one day in 10 or 20 years time to be faced with a pale, frightened woman saying that she'd been sitting, shitting blood. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But this is what happens to people. And then we go to the doctor 
and then the doctor says it's inoperable, and then... Right. So, yeah, I, I see it could definitely be a cop-out, but that's also a device for him to realize that when you love somebody, it's worth... It's worth that... It comes with all this. Uh, yeah, worth, yeah it's, exactly. It's worth that risk of, of them leaving. Yeah. Yeah. And he never, By whatever yeah. way. And yeah. he, he didn't love the other girls. No. You know, we thought he did, and he just he felt bad about himself. Pretty much when yeah. he's with the other girls, mm-hmm. felt yeah. bad about himself when he's with Laura. Yeah, doesn't realize that he's, you know, that that he's got something, and that he's actually also he has something to offer to them. Yeah, because right. he's too wrapped up in himself. Yeah. So, uh, you know, recognizing that and getting over that is, it's not a happy ending. You know, like he doesn't. Yeah, yeah he could fuck it up in another month. Right. But at least he's realized that he loves this person. And yeah. she, she in in the book especially seems to be she she's aware, very spot on, very strong in 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 a lot of ways that it, once you get to the end, you realize how good of a fit she is for him. Yeah, yeah. which I think is really yeah. really good. Um, All he says at the end is, you know, and I can see how it's done. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so he's taken that leap that or, or that. He's he's gained that recognition that a lot of dudes would have gained ten years previous. Yeah, he's fucking thirty six years old. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's that's the thing. As and and that's that's I think it's such a, a defining thing. I know when you look around and you see uh, your buddies and stuff like that that haven't been in a long term relationship. Yeah. Of it doesn't necessarily have to be like five years or, or plus, but but enough that um, all those things that you know guys don't don't want to like concede to. Uh, the dudes who have been in long-term relationships, uh, no, yeah, right, and 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 like act accordingly, yeah. uh, and and so because it's a million things, you can't even pinpoint one thing as an example. But sure. the, there, there's there's so much, and and there's a certain uh, knowing that they have uh, that I think allows them to then be good for a woman in a number of different ways, or, or, or as they move forward, you know. Um, and so, yeah, man. I, I, it's funny because there's a few things where, you know, we talk about where we're like, oh, he nailed it. Um, two things show up uh, kind of early on. One, where he's just a fucking asshole and he knows it. He believes every word in the moment that he's saying. And then he recognizes that the second he's not in the argument anymore. Yeah. Oh, my God. How many times I've just like in the moment said a fucked up thing, believed it. And then, you know, obviously the door slam and you go your separate ways and then you're like, what the fuck, dude? That- well, that's actually why I bottle everything up and, and uh, have major anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> You you don't let it let it fly. No, I do. But oh. I do I do tend to to bottle things up. That's primarily where my anxiety stems from because I don't say anything ever. Oh, right. Say um, so maybe when I, I was a I think young I man. I too much. Yeah, when I was a younger man, you know, I would fly off the handle, and you, mm. you know, you run the mouth, and you're like, "Ooh, that's the wrong thing to say." Yeah. I feel like I learned, I learned that lesson pretty early, though. I think by the time I was in my twenties, it's like, that's that's childish behavior. Right. Well, yeah, I think it's it's different running your mouth like that in general versus running your mouth like that with your significant other. Yeah. I think there's there's a difference there because only your significant other can poke you and push you in the ways that will drive you insane because they know you well. 
in fact, I think that's one of the major things here is Laura knows him better than he knows himself. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and absolutely. And that's one thing that that again, you know, that's that's where I, I, I'm I'm wondering when will he recognize that because that's when he'll see that it's that it's like love, you know, yeah. um, because that word doesn't even get used hardly at all unless it's talking about all the albums that he listens to about love. Um, right. The other thing that I thought was. Um, was really uh, a thing where I was like, oh man, where he's talking about, and this is again when he's younger, so of course, uh, you know, it goes with what Daniel's saying, but uh, where he's talking about when uh, the dude comes up to him and says that he had sex with his his ex-girlfriend and it still, it gets him so upset. Like he gets that <laughs> wave of like anger and, 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 and whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, like that's, it, it's, 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 it's such a, such a hateful angry feeling you know and uh and i feel like he articulated hornbeat articulated yeah. so well um and i was like oh man that's another one where i was like nailed it <laughs> we just, like reading this and just yelling out nailed it <laughs> <laughs> i was i absolutely was uh I, it was funny too because my kids were taking like the keystone exam and i was reading this because you can't have any technology or anything like that yeah. and there was a number of times where i was either laughing or going nice yeah. Nice. Because like, what are you? Come on, man. We're like, we're taking a test. Concentrating, yeah, sir. Even, yeah, Mister Ma, Mister Mahalik is being a nerd back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Charlie's the impetus, right? I, I yeah. feel like I feel like uh, one thing there that he she's the worst. He's stuck forever because of a few short weeks in 1979. This is like you talk about like psychoanalytic crit. The whole thing is. When you're talking about these characters, what childhood trauma are they trying to figure out? Mm. Right? What are they trying to work through? And and I think he nails that so so well. Nailed it. Where uh, where he says, you know, he's, a rubber stamp. Just yeah, he's, <laughs> he's stuck in this. He's stuck in this record store because of a few short weeks or months uh, where he was he pumped this woman up to be everything um, that that one could ever want. Uh, she's this this perfect being, uh, and and this has determined the entire rest. Of his life's trajectory. Yep. Yeah. She was uh, the one that made him drop out of college. Right. Uh, she was the... Um... And of course, she didn't make him do anything. No. No, no, <laughs> right. no, no. Exactly. Yeah. She was the Catherine Zeta-Jones character, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Charlie. Yeah, I like... Wearing the Pretender shirt. Yeah. Mm. I, I like how when he meets her again later and she's just the worst. Well, he figures it out it, yeah. on the phone. It's Before so, he even goes to see her in the movie, yeah. he figures that at the end of the night. Yeah, but uh, that was—I think—that was a distinct difference to still go. Yeah, even though he knows, oh fuck, she's the worst. We've all, we've all, you know, we've met people like that, whether you know we've dated them or not. But it's like mm-hmm. someone that you were enamored with when you were younger. Oh, yeah. Then you're like, yep. oh, they're just—they're just a—they're just a, a shitty person. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they're actually not interesting at all. Right. They just say these. In fact, they're boring and selfish, and I hate myself for wanting to be here right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, that uh, oh, man. it's like revisiting your high school, uh, you know, record collection. Right, I still like a lot of those records. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. listen, Chumble Woman never dies. I have that on cassette. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, how the hell would we teach this? Right, um, when, when I think about this, it's funny because this is real specific to us with time period and references and stuff like that. However. Uh, what I noticed when I was reading it was I was taking tons of notes. 
Uh, absolutely, tons and tons of notes. So what I would would do is, and this is something that I, I think is students need to be either taught or retaught on a pretty consistent basis, which is how the fuck do you take notes, you know, and 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 how do you uh, make sure that that you're keeping this stuff uh, um, together. So. Uh, a dialectical journal is, is I would argue, one of the best ways when you're talking about long fiction to keep yourself uh, in, in, in the know and, and comprehending what's going on. So with the dialectical journal, that's what I would be teaching uh, with, with this particular book. If I were to teach this, I would say, you know, let's focus on two things. Let's focus on uh, the literary analysis where we're talking about things like style, uh, comparisons, plot structure, characterization, irony, uh, but also things like epiphanies. You know, what did you see that you didn't before somewhere in the text? Um, you know, what are we what are we comparing it to? And then what are the like symbols and archetypes that exist, right? So that's one column. So essentially what you do is you set up two columns. Uh, one where you're going to pull a direct quote. I think mm -hmm. that's really important. Direct quotes where students really yep. recognize that something's strong. So they'll pull the direct quote. They'll put the page number, right? put it in quotes and then on the other side they'll put one of these things you know what literary analysis comment are they going to make about plot structure making comparisons characterization etc but then also they can make these interactive comments where they're asking questions right they could quote something that puzzles them for instance and then they'll and then they'll comment on that uh in the right column and they'll they'll make judgments where we disagree or agree with the observation or an idea that the text presents um also making connections you know that's um that's one of those interactive comments. So you kind of split it into literary analysis and then interactive comments where yeah. you're actually saying, this is how I feel uh, mm -hmm. based on this comment. This is what my reaction is to it because it's a, something that struck me um and then also this is obviously irony right? sure. this is this is this is very clearly foreshadowing you know and you're putting those quotes down so i think this would be a good text for that because um of the character development that we see because of the uh the plot structure right you pointed out with mm -hmm. the first 30 pages being like this is this is a very unique thing yep. right that top five list um and seeing that as a motif that, that runs almost throughout fight the clubby yeah you know yeah yeah, and um, and things like that. So that would be mine, you know, having them, and especially with like Google Classroom and all these tools that we have now for them to be able to create an interactive document where they're in real time, uh, you know, updating it. So we have, uh, you know, just basically a chart. Column on the left is just the direct quotes from the from the text. Column on the right, literary analysis and interactive comments uh, from the student. So that's how I would teach it. That's that's, Great. that's my suggestion for this particular piece. Excellent. That's awesome. All right. So speaking of, I think we're starting to get into uh, our our books and, and, and different things that we enjoy. Let's do our top five. Yes. Debut books. Top five debut books. Let's right. do it. This was, and I'll say, so uh, for tough. our listeners, we did our top five debut books, top five debut albums. Albums took me uh, way, way longer. The books I did in five minutes. The books were super, super fast for me. Um, I think it's because I kill authors. And I don't necessarily, I diversify, but I only started doing that recently. Mm. Usually I just read every, I like an author and I'd read every book they wrote. Yeah, I do that. Good, myself. bad, or otherwise. And and I didn't diversify as much. So um, should we just run them down? Uh, five to one? Yeah. Sure. I, I had trouble with this because I was battling. Well, you did four. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you had trouble. <laughs> I kept battling of going, 
Am I going to try to pick something obscure to seem that I'm so fucking cool? Because <laughs> you'll read this book and then you start yeah, really I don't thinking wanna, about that. Yeah. Or am I going to be honest and say, no, these are what I feel yep. are my favorite top five debut albums right. and, and books. Yep. So right. I, and, I went, I went, the, I think that's what made it easier is I literally just went the route where I was like, these are, these are the ones I like. These are yours. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's yeah. eventually what I did, but only four. <laughs> Good. Did you do that as well? Or are you posturing? Uh, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I totally was like, man, these guys are going to make fun of me for a couple of <laughs> things. Like, you know, it was just one of those things where you don't, uh, people always bring, bring up the concept of guilty pleasures. Right. And I'm, I'm actively trying to call bullshit on guilty pleasures. So, because I just you like You do have shit. a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. I just like it. People say that to me. I love Everclear. Why do you have to People be guilty? That to me. That's what I'm saying. That's kind of my point because it's like, oh, oh, guilty pleasure. I think you're I like, guilty if you recognize that there's not much substance to it and it's really just, it's like, it's like cotton candy. It's like, uh, very... well, but there is a place for cotton candy and Gossamer and, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And that's the thing. I listen to a lot of Tim Casher, so it makes it difficult for me mm. to reconcile that because he, uh, you know. Uh, a soft serve yeah. metaphor, you know, like, like he fucks that up because we all know art is hard. Yeah, and we go here. We go. Uh, <laughs> Nick's top five debut books. Number five, The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. Oh, that's good. I uh, fucking love that because not only is it great, uh, but it also has this very strong message, uh, which is you know really what. I think that all is. We about. all know the jungle, man. Let's move it along. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, Less than zero by Brett Easton Ellis. Oh. I think it's uh, so, so, so readable. I think uh, you know it was one that gave me uh, fucking hope terrifying to be able to, be able to do stuff um, as a young person, right? Uh, that that you can be young and actually make an impact. Number three, uh, Dostoevsky's Poor Folk. Uh, this is something that. I, I love Dostoevsky. I really like Russian literature quite a bit. Um, but this one in particular is an epistolary novel, which is something that I think stuck with me so much because I always think about why do I have the words in front of me? What is the reason? Yeah. And, and epistolary novels give you that reason right off yeah. the bat. They're inherent to the, to the text. Um, this one is the first book coming at number two, the first book that made me laugh out loud while reading it. I think it's brilliant. White Teeth by Zadie Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly, the book that made me feel okay with being me, Qureshi's The Buddha of Suburbia. And you thought about those way more than I did. Cool. So those are my top five. That's good. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yes. Nice. It's a good list. Buddha of Suburbia is also super punk rock. And uh, it's just, it's just. If awesome. Nick Mihalik is one thing. It's punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking I love that. I love that book. I was like, uh it's like you know when you 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 your shoulders are like up around your ears and you're like super super tense and everything's like uh and you feel like you read that book and I was like, ah better. Fucking fine. <laughs> Dude's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. how I, that's how I would explain you. You're like you're like sledgehammer Peter Gabriel. <laughs> but then you're also like Genesis Peter Gabriel. <laughs> I'm going to give a cheers to that. That was Honestly, so good. Jesus Christ. On the fly and everything. That was great. Wow. Nice. I'm going to go next because I only have four, so this way I'm sandwiched between, between two proper lists. <laughs> I only picked four for my top five because 
maybe I'm just too fucking lazy. Um, <laughs> I really feel like these lists are in flux. I could I could write a new one again They're tomorrow in flux? if I had oh, to. Flux, flux. In flux. <laughs> Shit. Um, uh, anyway, so these are not in order of you know uh, impact, but uh, number one out of my top four, top five books. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling. Beautiful. We, we, know, we know who the fuck it's by. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, about a, it's about a young boy <laughs> who, <laughs> who doesn't know he's a wizard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then a man who looks much like Nicholas Gregorio comes and says... Harry, you're Harry. a wizard. Harry. You're a wizard. <laughs> the movie's very funny. It's not very funny, but it's it's every time Harry Potter's on the screen, because it it's Harry Potter. Just in case, just so you fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. We can cut that. We can cut that, Mike. That was great. We got to keep all we're, of we're that. We're keeping all of that. <laughs> uh, in number two, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Mm. Um, that, I put that on there. To make me seem smart. Ah, so it worked. Posture. Huh? A little, little bit of posture. Uh, that's a fucking great book. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, number three, uh, Buck by M.K. Asante. He's a, uh, he's a Philadelphia dude. This yeah, is... I just got that book this summer. My principal gave it to me. Oh, it's an awesome book. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Nice. It's, it's part memoir. I didn't read it yet, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, I've heard good things. Probably the most electric language I've, I've read in a book in... In very, 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 very long time. No shit. It's almost like jazz. And then it gets, you know, it, it levels out. But at the beginning, first couple chapters are... Nice. Um, you know, if you're teaching in the Philly, in the uh, inner cities in Philadelphia, this this book was written by a guy who came from the inner city of Philadelphia. Yeah, well, third in Indiana so, used to be the standby for that. Yeah. Right? I'm not sure. Lopez? I guess, yeah. And now... Uh, yeah, now now this one... Uh, she got a stat. She had like 25. She gave them to all the teachers. Lots of cursing. Yeah, that's what she said. She was like, you mm. might want to do it with your AP class or something like that. Yeah, he talks yeah, about, probably, um, probably he says the P word a lot. And the B word. Posturing? And oh, penis? Poops? Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> number four. Penis poops. Uh, someone. <laughs> Jesus. Someone argued, why, why is this all this in my list? <laughs> number, <laughs> penis boobs. In the, middle, in the middle of my very serious oh, list. Oh, God. Uh, number four, someone argue it's a novella, but uh, uh, you can fight me. Uh, River Runs Through It by Norman McLean. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. That's awesome. a fucking debut. That is so fucking good. That I have such a, oh, man, deep connection to that. Absolutely. So that's uh, number, that's uh, top four, my top five. And you went in order there. Debut, well, in no particular order. Just really skirted all the rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just, yeah. Basically, the entire <laughs> concept of the top five list was out the out the fucking window. Let's sandwich it with another properly. Okay, no, no, nicely done. That. Okay, that's a really no, good. that's a good list. Uh, okay, uh, descending order. Okay, uh, number five is Clown Girl by Monica Drake, um, who is a Tom Spanbauer student. No shit. Yeah. Uh, and the book is really weird. It takes place in the fictional town of Baloney Town, and. Uh, <laughs> clown girl wants to be a professional clown um but she gets uh, recognized by some rich people and they start hiring her for gigs that 
start bordering on prostitution and getting very it's very oh, very cool. cool very dark very funny not the prostitution super cool but like that. right yeah. the, the concept of the book is great and mm-hmm. um at, at one point sarah silverman was looking to adapt it and direct it and star in it no shit yes because it is very funny at points but See okay this. number four train spotting irvine welsh um Good shit that is <clears throat> just Really, I mean, how that book can even be called a novel is is, is kind of questionable, but it's um, it's it's great and challenging, um, and terrifying in a lot of ways. Right. Um, number three, less than zero. Brett Easton Ellis. No shit. Yeah, no shit. Nicely done. Um, it is. Uh, I, I know by far probably his best. Um, mm-hmm. I know my favorite is not that one, but I think it is as his absolute best. Were you an American Psycho fan? Glamorama. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, which is probably probably the one that everybody says he really lost his shit on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But whatever. That's um, more memoir, isn't it? No, that's Lunar Park. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. Right, right. Glamorama is the one where with Victor from Rules of Attraction yeah. who gets swept up into this uh, international terrorist ring run by supermodels. It is bizarre <laughs> and insane. It, it's just... But Lesson Zero is great and terrifying. and um, But again, it's one of those books that I mentioned um, in the first episode. It's one of those books where like, man, I, I can go do that. I can go write exactly. it. You know? Exactly. I mean, he wrote it on a like summer vacation. Yeah, and right? you know, he got it published when he was, what, 21? Something like that, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, number two, Far Away Places by Tom Spanbauer. It was his debut, his shortest, his most accessible, but still um, very Tom Spanbauer, who, if you don't know who he is, he kind of... Um, uh, invented the idea of dangerous writing, um, writing with the the gut, you know, getting to the 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 deepest sinew of a person of a character, yeah, um, which is uh, a writing style I subscribe to, uh, and he taught Chuck Palahniuk and Very Monica Drake, well, and yeah. yes, yes, um, but it, it's wonderful. Which, by the nice. way, if if you I've haven't yet, read uh, Man Who Fell in Love with the Moon, you have to read I Loved You More. I Loved You More is my favorite book. It came out in no 2014. Shit. It was amazing. Is that his memoir? Um, it's... Um, loose. It, yeah. 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 Uh, nonfiction novel, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was... It's incredible. Incredible. And then number one, rounding off the list, is Flight Club by Chuck Palahniuk. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, which we, of course, covered in episode one. Yeah. Um, but it is... Um, it's that. It was that life changer book for me. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was the book that started my Excel spreadsheet. No shit. Yeah. That was the one. Yeah. You were like, I should probably take note of, of these. Exactly. Yeah. The um, the boot of suburbia was the one that uh, moved me from being a music major to an English education major. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Right on. Yeah. Less than zero. Also, a little Elvis Costello reference. Yeah. Good shit. Yep. Uh, from the album that we're covering, too. Yes. Um, so, any... Uh, final thoughts on the the novel? I think we covered pretty much everything you could cover at this point, right? I think this is a. I, I think this might have been my favorite analysis of a book we've done. To be completely honest, <laughs> we should, I think we should do it again. <laughs> Mike, delete that recording. We're starting again. <laughs> That's gonna be our new thing. <laughs> Round two. <laughs> Fuck off. First recording. <laughs> Second recording's the key. Uh, yeah. Uh, Evil Dead 2, Reservoir Dogs. 
Major difference? Yeah. We can end on that. <laughs> In the book, it's Reservoir Dogs. In the movie, it's Evil Dead 2. I would say you're an idiot because it's so funny and gruesome <laughs> and fucking horrific. So we've got an album to talk about. Mm-hmm. I want to start with a story. Can I do it? Yeah. Yes. I got a, I got a, a great Elvis Costello story as well. It has, well, it has to do with Elvis Costello, but... Um, but no, it has to be because I said as well. that's true that's true this uh this is my story is such that i worked at a grocery store as i've said a number of times so i worked i was a dairy manager at this time i think or something like that i'm covered in when you work in dairy you always get covered in milk in some way so you smell like rotten ass fucking bogus milk mike knows that it's yeah it's awful it's it's awful so but i would my my shifts were always such i think i was the manager because my shifts were always such that they ran over whatever my normal time was supposed to be and so i would always have to like run off to this class which was lit 168 it was the intro to critical theory and so i i went in and as i said i switched from two years as a music major to uh english ed so i was a junior when i went to westchester with freshmen and uh, the freshmen who were English majors, lit majors mostly, were taking this class because yeah. it was theory, right? And um, there was this one kid who was reinventing himself. By all means, go ahead and do it. College is the place. He'd grown a mustache as thick as your fucking beard, which is bizarre because he couldn't grow hair anywhere else on his fucking just, face. Yeah. Just on his stash. Yeah, just a stash. Yeah. Thick. And he played, devil stick. he played devil sticks in the quad. He was that dude, like, this is, this is who I'm going to be. This is who I'm going to be. I'm devil stick dude with a mustache. That's my fucking role. That's who I'm going to be. And so I see you shaking your head, right? That was my initial reaction, but I was like, I got to be more open-minded. I got to fucking let this kid be. And he was, he was pretty bright, and he would make these comments that, that were really good. So we got into a conversation for a while in class about um, the difference between high and low art, whatever else. And so we're talking about it for a few days, and then we get to this day. I come in. I'm exhausted paying for my education covered in you know rotten milk and i sit in the back because i know i fucking stink and i don't want to bother anybody but i didn't have any time to go home and uh so this kid raises his hand and he goes can i just say what i know all of us are thinking right now <laughs> and that right off the bat i was like Here number one you should never fucking say anything for anybody yeah. else namely me so <laughs> you can get fucked up in like three seconds and then he goes can these people, meaning people of a lower class, right, blue car, essentially me right then, uh, can these people really understand the art that we're talking about? And he said it, and 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 uh, Khan, who was the Khan, who was the professor, <laughs> Star Trek. He, he was the professor. He sits back. And, and he goes like this and he just looks out into the class and my arm shot up and he went, get him, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went on this fucking rant and I, and I was like, number one, don't speak for anybody else. You have no business doing that. Number two, you missed the point entirely, which is to say that people who are working don't have the time or the leisure to be sitting and really engaging with this nearly as much as the, the people who you're clearly referencing who do. It's not a matter of understanding. It's a matter of time. That's the whole thing. And, uh, and Khan fucking loved it. He pulled me aside. And, uh, and then after we spoke about, and this gets into Elvis Costello. It's he like goes, you need time, love, and understanding. He goes... Man, nice. He goes, uh, he goes, listen, man, 
you should listen to more Elvis Costello. I can't do it in his voice because it's getting ridiculous, but you should listen to more Elvis Costello <laughs> because he's your type of guy. And I was like, okay. I went and watched this video. First video I see, his first live television appearance, Elvis Costello has his Musicians Union card prominently displayed in his front pocket to ensure that he is recognized and that they can't fuck him. <laughs> and that is my story about Elvis That's Costello. That's awesome. Get him, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> he, and he said it in the, the most... <sighs> Get him, Nick. Like that. Uh, I was like, oh, oh, Seth, I got him for you. No worries. This kid's going down hard. So a buddy of mine who looks very similar to me as far as, you know, being same kind of height, white guy, glasses. Uh, we always get told that we look like Andy Dick or or Elvis Costello. so... <laughs> So much pretext. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so that guy, he, he he's going back to the 90s when uh, Elvis Costello was doing an in-store. I think it was on Tower on Broadway, whatever that record shop was, Tower Records. And there was a big line and, and, he, and he managed to get off work and, and go down and stand in line. For and sure. people, and he was a bit younger then. Elvis Costello what? was a bit younger then. So people like, yeah. dude, you look like Joseph Elvis Costello. Like busting his balls when he was in line. Um, and then he's like, yeah, hey, whatever. After a couple hours waiting in line, he feels uh, this this guy standing next to him, smells him. This guy's drunk, and it's fucking Elvis Costello. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like trying to like play it cool, and uh, you know, be like, oh yeah. He's like, oh, uh, you're the huh? Kind of look like me or something. Yeah, that's something like that. He's this guy, you know where you can get a uh, get a sandwich, and I, I think he wanted like a Reuben. <laughs> So, or maybe that's what he ended up getting me. So with, my friend took him to this, the sandwich shop around the corner and Elvis Costello ate like four or five Reuben sandwiches and drank a bunch of beers. And he was already like fucking hammered. He said, he said he was like the biggest slob. It was just like Russian dressing was just like fucking slopped all over his face. And, then his and Elvis Holy Costello shit. got to use the bathroom and pissed off. Oh shit. And my boy's like, he's like, I got to pay for all these. Oh, I got to pay for all of Elvis Costello's God. beers and sandwiches. <laughs> so he goes back in line, um, gets <laughs> in and like sees him again. And like Elvis Costello has, doesn't remember who he is. <laughs> no shit. Oh my so, wow, God. Dude. I don't know how much of that is embellished and made up, but <laughs> made for a good story I mean, when he told me. Well, fuck. One Reuben is enough Reuben. <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> God, the meat is stacked as high as this mic. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Maybe he had two. I can buy the bunch of beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> holy shit. So, what a hell of a story. Uh, was it during his bearded phase? Do we know? I'm not sure. Because I'll be honest. Story. I've been, that is a fantastic oh story. Oh, my God. I've been looking for... Um, I can't find it anywhere. Uh, apparently, there was... The, I watched Saturday Night Live randomly one day and i don't know if it was rerun or, or what but elvis Costello was playing with like a full orchestra huge behind him and he was bearded he looked like when um when uh uh uh, uh river phoenix's brother joaquin phoenix mm -hmm. uh was in that documentary about being a rapper and he had the like huge right. beard and he looked all gnarly and stuff he looked like him just with glasses and stuff like that too uh and he performed this song that i've never heard 
can't find it on any albums. It was fucking incredible. It was yeah. one of the best performances I've ever seen. It made such an impact uh, that that I, I I've never forgotten it, and and I can't find it. It's like it's like nowhere to be found. That sucks. Yeah, Damn. yeah. So I just want to throw that out there because if anybody fucking is listening and knows that, yeah. uh, please let me know somehow because that would be awesome. Um, but book record case. beer at gmail.com <laughs> record at gmail um, do you want to talk about My Aim is True his yeah. debut album let's do it um, so I, I was not a big Elvis Costello fan at, at, at first um, listened to this album a bunch of times over the past couple of weeks and I, you know, it, it, that's changed a little bit uh, it's fantastic it is, it is pretty good yeah. I think they're all solid tracks except the one after Allison whatever that song is um I usually go. Yep. I usually go. Are they batting five hundred? Are they batting five hundred? Feelings is, is no good. Is like my is for it my, a debut album or just an album in general? For an album in general, yeah. yeah. Because oh, I, well, I grew up in the, I grew up in the nineties, and it was the the age of one hit wonders. So yeah. you, you could get snuffed so hard buying an album, and then the rest of it fucking yeah. sucks. Batting five hundred is too low for me. Too low, yeah. Yeah, dude. I, listen, I I hear one bad track, or two, and I'm like, nope. I get like take it personal. <laughs> like, you guys I, I bought this yeah yeah i mean that, why not right you're you're paying yeah. 15 20 bucks or something yep. it better be better be good yeah of course so uh i really liked uh you know I, i'm a music teacher and a few years ago we covered the song allison which is i think by far the best song on the album um, it's a the, wonderful song period the guitar work on it's fucking great yeah. so i wanted to do more more research to see who who played guitar on it because I knew it wasn't Elvis Costello. Right. Um, or, or maybe it was and I didn't know that he exactly. had this. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so it was, um, uh, I got the guy's name up here. I, forget, I can look it up. Uh, he had a backing band called Clover. Uh, he recorded right. the album in like, in the over 24 hours. Like oh, at no night. shit. He was wow. just like a working guy. He had a wife and a young kid, El- Elvis Costello. Yeah. So recorded at night over a few weeks, 24 hours, but over a few weeks and he had this backing <clears> band <throat> called Clover. Um. Damn, and I guess while we're talking, I can look because he's had a band. number of backing bands. He toured with the Attractions on this, right? Well, so the Attractions he formed after uh, John McPhee was the guitar player who was a long-term member of the Doobie Brothers. Oh no, shit! Uh, among, among others, John McPhee. So he formed the Attractions after this album was made up to tour, and in 1977, after this album had already been released, he re-recorded the album exactly, pretty much exactly the same with the Attractions. And the the uh, idea was that he would just re-release My Aim is True with the attraction, so I guess they would get the money or what, whatever the whatever right. the deal was. But it just never happened. There was always those um, first late night recordings no with with Clover as his backing band. Yeah, wow. So yeah. it's interesting cool. stuff when you, yeah. you know, yeah. the kind of scrappy come together of of a debut album. Even he was also on a major label, wasn't it? This yeah, I, I well, I thought it was Rhino, but I'm not sure. I have uh, a stiff in the uk columbia in um the u.s oh nice so it's not like well yeah that's the thing i have i have a recording of his which is a lie it's him in the attractions 79 uh at like san dimas high school mm-hmm. or something like that san dimas high school football <laughs> rules, rules. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah it's something like that um and it's it's uh, uh just a, a you know 45 um with like allison and watching the detectives and stuff like that and it's and it's awesome and uh the thing that i always took away from elvis costello you know boring that story and, and and stuff like that was uh that he the the dude like and and that really gives a credence when you're talking about that he was a, he was recording at night and doing that kind of stuff like i really liked his 
idea that a musician is uh, not like some dude or, 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 or person rather to be shoved around right we're, we're, we're not just there for your for your fucking entertainment like we take this seriously mm-hmm. like he takes his his music seriously he takes yeah. this shit seriously he put his fucking union card in his front pocket yeah. when he's performing on tv so you don't fuck me around because i'm a i'm a i'm a a, a working person you know and and i i really i really really like that and the more i watched a lot of the live videos um leading up to this I was really also enamored with the fact that he has that mentality and he backs it up with sort of a Zappa-esque idea that when you go to a live show, you're paying a ticket. So he has the idea of being the consumer as well as mm-hmm. being the producer. Mm-hmm. And and so when you're buying a ticket, you're going to be there to see something special and unique because of that uh, for that experience because you bought a ticket to this show and this show is going to be different than the next show. Yeah. And and when you look at some of the live performances, the song we're going to play, I'm Not Angry, uh, he doesn't play the guitar in some of these live videos at all. Like mm-hmm. he'll play it once or twice. Uh, the intro will be six minutes long, right? Different things like that. It's mm-hmm. a classic three and a half minute pop song yeah. uh, that can he manipulates in a million different ways yeah. uh, over time. And, and that's something that I really think is... Very, very cool about Elvis Costello is that he subscribes to that same mentality that a guy like Frank Zappa would because yeah, subscribe you're, to. You're going to a live show of, you know, if, if you're going to play the album and it's going to be exactly the same, Fuck's why the point. why come out to see the show? Just listen to the album. Stay home. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Save your uh, save save your 20 quid and your, <laughs> your five, <laughs> five pound bus ride across the yeah. you come You're coming out to the show. You're getting your fucking Rubens. Yeah. <laughs> Get your goddamn Rubens. <laughs> yeah, man. your five to seven Rubens. I need my... <laughs> be jacked up on rubies. Yeah. Uh, I I agree. I That's the... Uh, but also, too, it speaks, to, it speaks to me in that way that, you know, I would wear my fucking... Uh, it, I have my uh, ASCAP membership, right? I'm a member of the American Society of yeah. Authors, Composers, and Publishers and have been since 2007. And the second I had a song on the radio, I went and I, I applied and, and, and was accepted and, and started my own uh, uh, publishing uh, thing as yeah. well. You know, and, and, and you can, there's, there's such a disrespect, uh, especially here, in Philadelphia, towards musicians, especially just now in 2017, exactly. 2016. But, there, but there has been, you know, I've been playing drums for 20 years. I've been yeah. playing jazz for almost just as long. And and the the disrespect of of you should be self promoting, of course, but you should not. You shouldn't be doing nothing, mm-hmm. right? right? And 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 the way that musicians are treated is is really fucked up. And and I think that Costello uh, really stood up for those rights in a number of ways. Um, and that was that was something I always got behind him on uh, once I found that out, once I once I realized that. And then, and I'll say this, even though we haven't yet played it, uh, we've practiced it a few times, I gained a deeper appreciation in trying to figure out how to play, how to cover this song. Mm-hmm. Because when you do that, you really do see like what's actually going on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, certain things... Uh, like riffs, for instance, can get old real fast. Uh, and this one in particular, you could play that wah, wah, yeah. uh, a million times, and it'll never, it'll never get old because of everything that he's he's sort of surrounded mm-hmm. with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that that is that is awesome. And plus, I love organ. I think it's <laughs> awesome. Organ. I love the organ sound. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. 
that we're using or on the song? The skin flute. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> the organ. It sounds organ. so impulsive. I mean, <laughs> penis boob. Nick. <laughs> Nicholas Gregorio. Dick or, rules. Just. <laughs> It's like reverted to seventh grade, grade. Yeah. For, for for no reason. <laughs> the fuck, Nick. Our integrity just totally Jesus degraded. Christ. Yeah. It was that where we started playing penis. Penis. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Well, I'll say I meant organ in general. When it's done well like that, I really think it enhances the song quite a bit. I really, I really, really do. Yeah. <laughs> it just popped into my head and came out. <laughs> I don't know why. He's taken off the governor entirely. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Um, so when we're <laughs> when we're looking at when we're looking at the album. Uh, <sighs> Oh, can I just I, say one thing before we... Oh, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Uh, I, I really like Elvis because he's a little punk Rocky. Yeah. You I was going to I mean? say that, yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's a bit of a badass. Yeah. He's got like... There's just an edge to his music that mm-hmm. is really cool. And my mom actually... I was talking to my mom about Elvis Costello and she goes, you know, he, he's he's a little punk, isn't he? I said, yeah. I mean, he he kind of was the, the granddaddy of, of UK punk. Um, and he's kind of the sound that everybody went to in post-punk. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Which yeah, is really yeah, interesting. That's interesting, yeah. In like the 80s. Uh, totally. Like, yeah. Bring, I think the organ has a place in that too. Totally. Bringing that fucking yep. thing back. Because that was such a 60s standby. Yeah. Goes away for 20 years. He brings mm-hmm. it back. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then you see your post-punkers, yeah, start start delving into it. Like uh, Blood Brothers. Sure. Yeah. They got the fucking Wur- Wurlitzer in yeah. there, you know? Dun, 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 well, dun. and not to mention, if we're talking about him writing his inaugural album in 24 hours, like that's also pretty punk. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like yeah, getting the thing slated, you know, that's in twenty four hours over however long. Yes. Yeah, that's badass. It's awesome. Over a couple of weeks, just at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. It's really encouraging too. It's fucking sweet. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, because it is well done. Yeah, but uh, it's you know, it's not like he just went in there and they threw it together. Yeah, well, it's even impel, yeah, but like, it, it's yeah. like it, it sounds like one of those things. Like, oh yeah, this punk band went in there and recorded a twelve track record in a day. Yeah, yeah. and it's great. Yeah. You know, that's super cool. Yep, absolutely. Um, one thing also to, to to support that is, uh, well, I think he was he was kicked off Saturday Night Live, right? Uh, because he was supposed to play. Uh, I want to say it was Allison, uh, and he stops in the middle and he goes, he goes, no, uh, no, 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 uh, and then he and he breaks into something else. I think actually I gotta look that up because that's a really because. Really, because he didn't come back to Saturday Live until the performance I'm talking about with the orchestra. Oh, wow. Okay, gentlemen. So I found it. I have found the story I was looking for. Apparently, the Sex Pistols were slated to play Saturday Night Live, but um, Costello's album had just come out. He was touring with the attractions on it, so he goes into Saturday Night Live to play uh, Less Than Zero, and you know the song is about... Um, Obviously, fascism, uh, specifically the uh, vilified English politician Oswald Mosley, Union of Fascists leader. Um, and so he didn't think it was like going to resonate in the way that he wanted to. Uh, so he goes a few bars in and then he steps to the microphone and basically says, you know, there's no reason to play this fucking song for you guys. Uh, and then goes on this diatribe about, um, 
you know, essentially uh, the, the control of corporate entity on media and and stuff like that, uh, and 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 just just rips apart, um, you know, uh, that whole idea and and plays radio radio, which is his critique of that, nice. and and uh, and essentially he said, you know. Uh, Hendrix did the same thing on the the Lulu show, which I which I have on my BBC sessions. Mm-hmm. Fucking sweet. Uh, and so he said he was trying to emulate Hendrix. Uh, and then the Beastie Boys <clears throat> on the 25th anniversary of Saturday Night Live uh, were playing Sabotage and then busted into Radio Radio to do the same mm, thing. That's awesome. So yeah, it's pretty cool. He's again just to s- support his punk rockiness. Yeah. And and his his idea that you know musicians need to be recognized. Uh, because it's fucking hard work to do that shit, man. It's it's tough to to really hone your craft. It's just it's it's, it's disrespected in so many ways, yeah. and it's frustrating. Well, art is in general disrespected. Uh, yeah, across yeah. the board in across a lot of ways. Board. Exactly, exactly. That's why we uh, you, you never get paid for a story that's published anymore. Nope. You know, uh, and it's I don't know. It's frustrating. I got ten dollars once. I got ten dollars once. Yeah, I got ten dollars nice? never. <laughs> and also you know touring is the only way you make money anymore if you're, yeah. if you're a musician so it's a blue collar job and really? in order to and in order to go on tour you have to quit the job that you're giving you you have exactly. to make money while you're at home and the first person to really say that ironically was courtney love hmm I, this, she's the first person i've seen say that yeah um for sure but we uh have a top five list of albums that we need to get Ooh. into gentlemen so nice. Let's let's look at it here. Um, I am gonna do the same thing. You know, basically selfishly resonated with me. So um, number five uh, debut album, Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. Uh, I think it's awesome. Yep. You know, fuck stuff that needs to get fucked up. Do it. Uh, secondly, would be System of a Down. System of a Down. It is the darkest, weirdest, strangest album. And I love how dark and weird and strange, but also how much it rocks. It's a great debut. I fucking love it. Yeah, it's a <clears throat> great debut. And they, they stuck true to that. They just got better yeah, at that. They just got better at it, you know? Yeah. And and the only thing that took them down was when they gave too many singing privileges to the guitarist, is my argument. He's a yeah. real weirdo on the vocals. Yeah. It's just, and I loved his backing vocals. Yeah. Uh, but when he when he started, I feel like he writes the majority of the music and he just wanted more and more control. But that, that double disc... It wasn't really a double disc. They just released two like a few months apart. Yeah. It was after Steal This Album. Yeah. yeah. Their songs aren't bad though. No, they're not. Musically, they're always tight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and went to a, I went to see them at a festival. I think it was Lollapalooza. They're so and manic and strange. and There was no pit. I ran from the yeah. lawn into the thing and started the pit. There's like, you know, the folding chairs. Yeah. And I started throwing them at people. It was, <laughs> it was, I was like, what the fuck? This is a system of a down, you maniac. They they're, they're playing the devil right now. You should probably be a little bit more enthused, you idiots. And they didn't do anything after that album, did they? The, the, double. the double? No, they haven't. They're no. coming back. They have a new album coming out. Okay. Do they really? Yeah. Curious. Awesome. Uh, so they top five comeback albums <laughs> next week. <laughs> next month. They're uh, they're number two. Uh, my third is kind of a toss up, but I'm gonna go with um, Arcade Fire's EP. Uh, their very first album has uh, No Cars Go, and it has uh, Headlights Look Like Diamonds. Both of which the whole album really just speaks to uh, young love for me, and and I was young and in love when I listened to it. Huge connection. Uh, Mars Volta's Tremulant, also an EP. That's their first. But Mars Volta, man, I love At the Drive In. Uh, yeah. But then Mars Volta, I play more proggy type 
odd time signature stuff and and that just was like so fucking perfect you got flea on the bass flea on the horns so i'm you a francis the mute guy theodore on the theodore on the drums though he's yeah. not on francis the mute i thought he did francis and quit no he was booted but yeah the francis might actually been his last one yeah that's actually cedric's biggest regret is kicking him out yeah that was a fool ass move to do exactly it. <laughs> yeah and he he recognizes that um and so that's my uh <clears throat> num- number two um and is Mars Volta's trembling? Fucking incredible. Uh, my number one is Q and Not You, uh, No Kill, No Beep Beep. It is uh, the 123rd record from Discord Records, signed by Fugazi's label. Uh, Ian Mackay loves them. I love them. They get no recognition for anything that they did. They invented dance punk. Uh, dance punk. Uh, I would argue those. It came out in 2000. Those. Um, the guitars going feeding off of one another it's almost like the evolution of gang of four uh in the truest and most beautiful sense they're fucking incredible yeah uh love q and not you that's my number one Excellent. right on uh i guess i'll go second again right top four of the top five top four, top of, the four of the top, top five yeah. i might i might throw one off the cuff though um <clears throat> i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it great all right here's my <laughs> <laughs> these these actually might be in order no uh, shit. Maybe. I'm not sure. Anyway, here's here's number five. Uh Little Girl Blue, Nina Simone. Wow. Excellent debut album. It's got a lot of great hits on there. Some of her greatest hits, some would say. Um coming in number uh four. Was hesitant to put this one on there. Uh Appetite for Destruction. Guns N' Roses. Oof. That's an incredible debut. Uh, yeah, yeah. and, I, and I, I saw them in concert over the summer. A lot of people were not very thrilled. Um, I had a very different <laughs> experience, almost religious experience. You know? Yeah. Um, Slash Wales, <laughs> man. Yeah. Fucking love Slash. Yeah, he's cool, I guess. <laughs> it's like, well, the, it's like the antithesis Oof. of everything you like about Gun, music. Guns, yes. Yeah, Guns yeah. N' Roses. Well, because you have guys like Kurt Cobain who have consistently you know, jumped on that train to be like, yeah. Guns N' Roses are everything we don't represent. That's true. Guns N' Roses, on the other hand, though, that album I think is super strong. I have a Guns N' Roses story if I could. Great can I, songs. Can I do it? Yeah. Is it cool? Now it's appropriate. I Check think. this out. Okay, so in 2003, I think, they came. It was just Axl Rose with like Buckethead playing. To the spectrum. Mm. Yeah. To the spectrum, right? Yeah. Oh, I know this. I know where so, this is going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they bring out CKY, which is the, the Westchester band. They're coming Absolutely. out and everybody's like... Promiscuous daughter. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> pumped and stuff. Uh, they play for a while. And then the Beastie Boys DJ comes out and he starts going. And he's going. It's like a half hour, 45 minutes, hour. Oof. Hour and a half. It's not what you came here for. And we're like, oh God, what the hell is is happening? And then he finishes and there's nothing. Like they bring the lights up and we're waiting an hour, hour and a half. And then they make the announcement. Like people are going nuts already. And then they make the announcement. Mr. Rose is not here. We have to cancel the, the show. <laughs> and I start hearing sounds of people kicking the seats out of the cement. Yeah. And then hurling them down. They ripped the whole board out. It was that that was utter destruction. And the the speaking I mean, of which, and so <laughs> oh, we're leaving. My friend Bill and I were leaving, and this guy just stops for a minute and looks up, and there is like a super huge cup of soda that just crushes him in the face, <laughs> <laughs> and it exploded in slow motion. Man, it was beautiful. Anyway, that's my Guns N' Roses story. That's a- <laughs> that was all over the radio. I remember yeah. that because they 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 
not you, I guess, but like the people there um, destroyed the soundboard, destroyed everything got hurt. that was in that. It was yeah, bad. That was, that was the big classic Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Like Philadelphia, uh, you know, no show. Yeah. Yeah. When they just came around, you know, he mentioned that. He's like, hey, thanks for coming out tonight. Wouldn't blame me if you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry for the deviation. You. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had people uh, at that concert over the summer just waiting in the parking lot until they knew that they were actually going to go on. Yeah. Just tailgating. No they didn't even go yeah. in for the uh, opening act. Um, anyway. Okay. So that was number four, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. Uh, number three, Songs of Leonard Cohen by Leonard Cohen. Mm. Um, nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, number two, you don't have to agree. I know you didn't listen to it, Nick. I listened to Leonard, Leonard Cohen. I actually, yeah, I have to listen to that. Oh, I... <laughs> He was talking no, to me. Yeah. I think the punk rock guy doesn't listen to Larry Cohen. Um, number two, Showbiz by Muse. Yes, that's a great that's album. A great album. Huh. Um, huh. Yeah. <laughs> I for, dude, I always forget about Muse, but because they're easy to write off as just arena rock uh, douchers right now. Yeah, you know? well, but because they first, are that now. Yes, but those first couple oh, of albums were so good. Yeah, yeah. No, Showbiz. They were. Uh, Origin of Symmetry, mm-hmm. Absolution, mm-hmm. great Drummer's albums. Tight. Too, I haven't yeah. liked um, Black Holes, but that was when they was, started getting yes. shitty. Yeah, uh, and number one, uh, my favorite person, uh, favorite artist, album. Uh, he's written my favorite song of all time. Uh, number one debut album of all time, Grace by Jeff Buckley. Nice. Wow. Good I'm gonna shit. Go That's another step further. Greatest song ever written, Lover You Should Have Come Over, track number seven. Whoa. Also the best breakup song. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. That's sweet. I I don't know. I, I love that in the book they when when the, he's like all pissed and he's 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 all angry at women, he mentions he does like top five stupid yeah. pissed, uh, angry at women songs. And Elvis Costello's got like three on there. <laughs> 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 Which is essentially his whole album. Is 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 like a really pissed breakup album, essentially. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You look at a lot, except for that. What's that? The, the one song is uh, is pretty much uh, Jailhouse Rock. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I love. Yeah. It's great. But is that the one after Allison? I think um, it actually might be the one, the one after one Allison. Like, oh, no kidding. Uh, Michael, you got any of these? Yeah, I, I got a list compiled here. Um, are they debuts? They are debuts. Nice. Um, so. Uh, initially, some of them weren't, but I, I've I've corrected myself. Uh, so number five, I'm starting with Yeah Yeah Yeah's "Fever to Tell," because um, that was the debut of it's fucking awesome yeah. when I started playing guitars when I got in that album and uh, Nick Zinner fuck shit up on a Stratocaster alone. <laughs> so that yeah, that album is definitely um, Soul Stringman. The the yeah. The start of it. Um, <laughs> number four, I got Beta Band with ba- the self-titled album. Ooh. Um, what's funny about that Very album... Very high-fidelity connection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That album actually, uh, I, you know, in, in England, I guess, when it first came out, uh, people fucking loved it. Like, they were obsessed with it, and the ratings were amazing. And then Beta Band released a statement saying that they didn't take themselves seriously at all, and they thought that album was garbage. And after that happened, <laughs> everyone started losing respect for that. And then they made an amazing out, like the three EPs and everything. But they literally kind of like shit on themselves and <laughs> and people lost respect for it. But that album is really good. What's interesting Nobody about it... Nobody likes to be told that they're a dummy by the people they think are awesome. Right? Yeah, dude. Uh, it, what's funny about it is the first song, the beta band rap, is 
the worst song I've ever heard in my life. And I literally <laughs> skip it every time I listen to that album because the rest of it is amazing. Um, number three, I got um, Amok, Adams for Peace, uh, which is pretty contemporary, I guess. Uh, it's it's, um, it's Tom York, right? Tom York, yeah. Flea on bass, mm-hmm. Nigel Godrich. Uh, it's, yeah, he gets around, doesn't he? Hey, he's Mars Volta. He's all of it. Yeah. That, that, I saw them at... Um, uh, it was the the te- the venue at Temple. Uh, I forget where uh, Leah Cor Center. Center yeah. And seeing Flea and Tom York on the same stage is That's unbelievable. Um, number four, I got. Or no, I'm sorry. On number two, I got Your Woman, I'm a Machine, Death from Above. Mm. Ooh, but that's not their. That's not their debut because yeah. they, they had the EP before, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I figured Ooh, LP debut. Way to go. Uh, that's that's just. An incredible album, obviously. Dead womb, baby. Uh, and then number one uh, is a recent find that I've been digging on for the past like two years. And it's your number one. No it's shit. my number one. Uh, Bright black morning light, self-titled. Um, they're this hidden gem from like late '90s, early 2000s that like you listen to it and the whole world flips upside down. It's they're incredible, and it's really I can't even like. There's no genre. It's it's just like very weird opium den type, it's like rock. It's it's excellent. So that's nice. that's definitely my top. Uh, and then uh, as far as books, um, I I also made a list, but I, I they're not really debuts. I realize most of the books I've read in my life aren't even debut. Like I I don't know many debut books. Um, Sounds like you're real prepared for this, Mike. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, ill prepared. Um, I, I learned a lot from this. Um, all, all I have, I have two books. Um, one of them, because immediately I thought of fucking grade school, scholastic, you know, school book, whatever. Uh, I found this book called Inkheart when I was like in grade school, and um, I think it still holds up. Honestly, it's about it's a story about um, this girl who finds that she can literally. It's kind of like a Harry Potter thing. Like she can literally I've never go, heard of that. Go into a book and like write the story as she's in it. Oh, uh, cool! And and then it's choose like your a, own adventure. Yeah, and and it's it's cool. I liked that like breaking of the, you know, the fourth wall kind of in a. But it was a very like f- kind of like fantasy type um, story. So that was cool, and that was like my initiation into like fantasy and sci-fi and stuff. Uh, and then more recently, the other book I have is House of Leaves uh, by Mark C. Daniel, Daniel Lewis. That book is um, terrifying and in a lot of ways. Yeah. that that I was given that book to read after a creative writing class. I wrote a story, and my teacher said it reminded her of uh, House of Leaves. Jesus. And after she gave me that book. Um, Fuck's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> it like, I, it's because I'd fucked with formatting and stuff, and, and you had to flip the pages to read it and stuff. And I'd never seen that in a book before Flipping until pages? House of Leaves. No, like turning them over, not. Like, literally flip the book. So, that, yeah, that's the millennials and the Kindles. That's my, my two cents. Nice, yeah, nice. That was good. That was good. good shit. Cool. Um, Got, I'm, uh, I'm getting I'm getting uh, pretty pretty jacked up to play the tune. Well, I haven't done my list. Fuck, dude, list, I'm dude. sorry, man. I haven't done my list. All right, so I'm, I'm going to go fairly quickly because I do want to play this song badly. <laughs> so, uh, number five, I, uh, this one's questionable, but I love this album. Uh, the Gaslight Anthems, Sink or Swim. Um, it was 
before Brian Fallon, the lead singer, went off of his rocker. Um, <laughs> and it was right before they just became the Bruce Springsteen of punk rock, which was yeah. great. The album after this was great, and even the album after that. Um, but this is the most punk rock Springsteen can sound. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, number four is Paint It Black. That's the river. <laughs> number four is Paint It Black, uh, CVA. Nice. Philly band that is uh, 17 songs in 19 minutes. Nice. Um, wow. Ultra hardcore. Uh, if you like hardcore, it is a, a must have. Um, number three, this is technically their only album, but whatever. Uh, the Postal Service, Give Up. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. Did you see him at the man? No, missed him. I, I, I got their, their, I got their vinyl. Yeah, me too. It's like four. It's great. Huge. So many bonus. It's, oh, awesome. it's so good. I love that. I was actually debating yeah, that one. It's a great album. It's, a good it's one, yeah. just amazing. Uh, number two, Foo Fighters, self-titled. Top. Right? Good shit. That is like the, the breakdowns in that record are so That's heavy. another one. Oh, he recorded a... it in a weekend. By himself. Yeah. By himself. Did all the drums, did all the bass, did all the... I mean, just... just awesome. Perfect time. That no, that, that's an excellent And it's, so, it's such a raw album, too. You know? I fucking love... Um, Watershed. Yes, I was just gonna say Watershed my, my, is the best. It's my favorite fucking song. <laughs> yeah. On that. yeah. Um, oh yeah. And then uh, number one, Descendants. Milo goes to college. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That might be the best debut punk rock album you can get, aside from like uh, Minor Threat. <laughs> you know? I'm at, I'm I'm gonna throw in uh, Gogol Bordello. Super. I know. Up. I was going, but that's not their first album. Their first album is um, Super Theory of, or Gypsy Punk. I don't G- even. Uh, uh, it's it's the one with uh, stop start wearing purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it, it might be Gypsy. I forgot. I'm, I'm gonna look it up. It's the yellow album. Yeah, Super Taranta is the green album that comes after that. I I wanted to do so bad, but it didn't. It didn't. Uh, uh, I mean, we did it. I'm throwing it in. Dude. You just did it, yeah. yeah. And I'm co-signing on that. We're doing shit. it live. <laughs> that, that, we're doing it. Fuck it. We're doing it live. <laughs> that, that, uh, that album, me and Michael actually went to see Gogo Bordello for New Year's. Uh, and that was that is was and still is the best concert I've ever seen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Without a doubt. Wow. I, Fucking Gogo Bordello speaks to my Slavic soul. Yeah. Wow. Hits me. Hits me right in the, the plums. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we should play it. Yes, I do. I, I think we should I, I play think, it. I think you're absolutely right. I concur. Let's, let's, let's fucking rock do it, it out. Yeah. All right.
that song is so much fun to play. I'll it's be great. Honest with you. You did I'll a great be. job on the vocal, my friend. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, I was very surprised. Not like I wasn't expecting you to be. <laughs> <laughs> but I meant playing, playing the drums and singing at the same oh, time. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's like expecting <laughs> uh, Peter Gabriel Genesis, but realizing you're also getting Phil Collins Genesis as well. <laughs> Jesus. Holy crap. Oh, my lordy. You've got my number today. (laughs) Is that moving backwards? No, that was allowed to be used twice. Yeah. No, that's fine. Getting Phil Collins, is that? No, absolutely. Okay. Acceptable. He is the drummer who sings. (laughs) (laughs) As long as it's not a Don Henley reference, I'm totally fine with it. Uh, So, what we have today, getting into the brew section, baby. Uh, Samuel Smith's Oatmeal Stout. Um, we, we actually went round and round on, uh, a proper beer for this. Uh, yep. and I say that on purpose because we're, we're talking about, he goes to the pub, what, every Friday, mm-hmm. even more often than that. And, uh, you know, I can only speak to Scotland cause that's the only place in the UK I've been. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, I know rarely were any of the beers that are available there, Available over here, so I, I've when I've been you know feeling in the mood, I'll, I'll grab a Boddington's or something like yeah. that. But mm. uh, you know, Sam Smith is, has has been around for a long day. I, actually, the oatmeal stout was when I had uh, my buddy Tom Bannon loves the oatmeal stout, and he had to kind of pressure me into drinking it, and it just was always very, very, um, it was very, very thick. The head yep. on the oatmeal stout usually. Oatmeal stout is delicious. Serious yeah. move. I'm a big stout fan. Oatmeal stout is such a great combo of yeah. things, though. As I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate it quite a bit more. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a true stoutman. You're a stoutman. Yep. Ah, I'm an Ippaman. <laughs> you're yeah. a stoutman. <laughs> and you're a you're a regular man. Regular ass beerman. <laughs> yeah, regular ass beerman. <laughs> you're a hopsman. Yeah, I'm a hopsman. Also a uh, brushman. Yeah, hopsman slash brushman. Yeah, I'll call back. Uh, <laughs> let's go to call back, folks. <laughs> we have two fans. <laughs> I'm trying to please those two fans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam Smith Brew is um, uh, founded in 1758. Let's uh, let's drink this beer, then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, right on. Cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 Our little goblets. All right. Dink. That's my absence. You filled it with a dink. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's satisfying. Yeah, man. Roasty, malty, everything mm. I want in a beer. That's the that's the word, roasty. Yeah. Roasty. Super roasty. Yeah. Well, so let's let's talk about mostly st- roasty. Let's talk about stouts just for a second. To please, um, yeah. This is our first one. No. Oh man. Uh, I think so. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, because it's a barley wine, and the, right, you're right. This is our first stout. Yeah. So, uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> Um, donate if you want. If you think it's a scam, then fucking don't. <laughs> Stout. <laughs> uh, it's a dark beer made using roasted malt or roasted barley, hops, water, and yeast. Uh, stouts are tra- just traditionally the generic term for the strongest or stoutest porters, typically 7 or 8%. Produced Boy. by a brewery. So, mm. uh, what I learned today is I always thought that stouts and porters were were two different styles of beer, just a variation on one. Right. Um, it seems that people would argue that stouts and porters are are indeed the same beer. 
stouts are just stronger versions of them. Mm. And it took mm. quite a while. Well, your stouts can get up to like 11. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Imperial stouts, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, even, even beyond. So for a while, beers would, uh, or breweries would use the word stout just as, as we would use the word imperial now, which imperial just means right. like more of stronger. They would yeah. use, you'd have like a stout IPA or a stout pale ale. Just right, like a strong right. version of that beer. I see. Yeah. Um, and Guinness, they had their their first beer was a uh, it was a porter. No shit. And yeah. then they eventually kind of morphed into the dry Irish stout. Dry or Irish stout is essentially the same thing now. Kind of spearheaded by Guinness. Yeah. Um, there's milk stouts, which right. Yeah. I can't drink because the old lactose don't tolerate it. The Lancaster milk stout is They're delicious. Good. Yeah. It is good. Um, that's actually one I, I get down with the milk stouts. Actually, I guess I like a little bit more of the citrusy and the sweetness. Yeah. yeah. Like candy. Cause the, the milk stouts, they can be, yeah. Uh, but, but they, they can, they can be, uh, a little less roasty, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, I could be wrong, but, but aren't all of our, um, grains just like a temperature, like, like a degree apart. Like you were roasted at. 40 degrees you were you know celsius you were roasted at this and this and, and then the more charred they get the, mm-hmm. the different use they have right right, right? so like this is, is those ones that look like charcoal right your malts that look like charcoal are essentially used for your stouts and your yeah. porters yep yeah um so what, so what makes an oatmeal stout is uh oats surprisingly right? <laughs> what <laughs> who the i fuck didn't know that knew? uh up to a maximum of 30 percent oats believe it or not Wow, oh, you don't actually have, is a you don't have to believe that. That's it. I like oatmeal stouts. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna bore hate you. oatmeal. No shit. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, I feel like I overdose on oatmeal. Best oatmeal the dudes ever had the ones with the dinosaur eggs. Oh my god, would, uh, dude! I I disintegrate was... and disappear and then just be a candy dinosaur. I egg can't believe you just said that. Why? <laughs> I I thought you were gonna say a legitimate, you know, adult oatmeal and i was going to say <laughs> you're <laughs> wrong it's dinosaur oatmeal ah see beat you to the goddamn punch because adults eat dinosaurs well did you ever eat just the eggs i don't know that's what, what i thought nothing insta oatmeal <laughs> did you guys um ever make it out it, it, it closed a while ago but it was the general lafayette inn yeah um no uh it's a great little place next to right off germantown next to brittingham's it closed a couple of years ago Years ago, and then they, turned they opened into up again. Then General Lafayette, again. not General Lafayette, uh, um, as we just said, um, <laughs> uh, Baron Hill. Yeah, which wasn't nearly as good. Um, but they had a porter called um, Chocolate Thunder. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa! And it was bold name, amazing. It was amazing. My friend took me there on my twenty-first birthday. It was literally the first bar I'd been to legally, uh, and I ordered the Chocolate Thunder. And this shit was so dark, the head was brown. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's always nice. And it was amazing. Damn. So like, I really have a, a an affinity for stouts and porters because I have a very that's a very good uh, memory of mine. Right. So like drinking something like this, it doesn't it doesn't remind me flavor wise, um, but it just this, brings this me to is, a nice warm toasty soul place. Yeah, Sam Smith is is very straight ahead. This oatmeal stout is um, like a, I would argue a baseline for oatmeal stouts. Or for stouts in general. I would say that. Uh, in Pennsylvania, we've got a brewery called Stouts with a D, S-T-O-U-D-T-S. Stouts! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not far from here, about an hour. Yeah. Uh, you can go and um, drink there, and I think there's a place lodging nearby. You can make a nice little weekend of it. Yeah. Um, 
Ooh, they have put a, out some good beers. They do. They have a. It's called their uh, Fat Dog Stout. That's an oatmeal stout, which is so good. No shit. So I recommend that. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, so Sam Sam Smith. Why did we pick Samuel Smith? Well, um, it's a British brewery. Absolutely. Uh, we're doing a British book. And One could argue that Hornby has partaken. We could argue, and maybe maybe Costello as well carries around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to open up the second bottle. I think. Do it. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I learned a little about Samuel Smith's Brewery. Um, I was fortunate enough to spend uh, uh, three or four days in London with the missus a couple years ago. And I walked into this, this old Victorian bar called Princess Louise. And it, the only beer they had was Samuel Smith. No on shit. On cask and draft and in, and in bottles. And, and just a couple of um, just uh, other spirits you can get. Like if you want like a vodka, they had, they had some. No shit. Um, so what I learned later is that in England, there's a breweries would like I wouldn't say sponsor a pub, but they would be like their their bars, and that they would only serve uh, Samuel Smith, or oh, if it was you know like Bass Ale, okay. they would only serve Bass Ale. Right. So, so that, that so that models um um kind of falling apart a little bit. It doesn't really exist that much, but it definitely is still still alive. I mean, uh, I went to that went to that pub. Yeah. So no shit. That's uh, cool. It's called the Princess Louise in London. So the brewery Samuel Smith, uh, founded in 1758, they operate over 200 pubs, which are notable for their independence. The brews are all produced by the Tadcaster Brewery, and no large corporation spirits or soft drinks are available. So it's like wow. So like little indie pubs. What a great cool? connection! Absolutely, yeah. yeah that's, that's great, great. Costello. Yeah, very oh, much yeah. so. Prices are kept reasonable by only increasing in line with alcohol duty and inflation increases. And here's something, uh, totally Elvis Costello. In November 2004, the company took the decision to ban music in its pubs. What? Which saves but- paying performing rights levy. And can also offer welcome relief to customers irritated by pipe music. And we say so they don't want to pay. So maybe that's kind of not Costello. No. They don't want to pay. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. Wait. An indie pub that's. Quite the opposite. Yeah. yeah. So they don't have music, so they don't have to pay yeah. the rights to the musicians. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, that's fucking that's crazy because that expense is like. It's so negligible. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you what. In that one pub, though, it was very, very nice to go in there. Quiet. And it's just people talking. And I like that. it was an old Victorian pub. So if you're not familiar with how they look, there's tons of compartments. So that yeah. way, you know, you're, you're essentially private. It was like a pinwheel, like that. pinwheel around the bar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Because I, I like going into those General places. Lafayette Inn was very much like that. Yeah. In the other booths in, yeah. almost. Yeah. They, had, they had booths that were like almost cut off. You kind of had to like wiggle your body into them because of the way they were designed. I yeah, like that if you it. want to be in the main area, there's there's a main area. Yeah. But if yeah. you just want to go out yeah. with your buds or your lady or your just your friend, and just sit in your own little area. Yep. Yeah. And um, you know, the the waiter will come over to you. Some of the pubs in um Ireland I've seen there, the the rooms that were just for ladies, it was really like just a tiny little closet in the uh, behind the bar, and there'll be a little sliding door, or they'd ring like a little bell. That way, the oh, you know you're not supposed to. The women shouldn't have been in with the men drinking. They would have their mm. yeah. Um, well, there's still oh. those. Uh, even if you go down the boulevard, there's still uh, yeah. ladies' uh, entrances. That pub with a ladies' entrance yeah. and a men's yeah. entrance and stuff like that. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, I I don't know the the Langhorn Hotel where I grew up was built in like 1790 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, my place had that had, had that had that shit main part, and then you know 
back way with all the little compartments I'm all for and stuff like that. Yeah, the, yeah, the, I like the option. The option. The option's cool because because cool. I, I I to be frank, I always end up in the main part just rocking out. Well, I should. Yeah, but, I, I do too. But yeah. it depends, you know, because then you'll you'll sit and you'll have you know your scotch, your bourbon, your yeah. beer. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends if you're traveling as well. Yeah. You know, if, you know, if right. I'm overseas, I'll you know be around the people. Do you like to mix it up? Yeah, I like to mix it up. You yeah. talk to people. I, I can't. I mean, I would like to, but I, I can't. <laughs> you what? I would like to talk to the people, but I like I can't. So yeah. uh, you, how about them? Uh, never mind. Uh, it's easy. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy when you're in a pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people get drunk. I've had, actually the most conversations I've had with people have been in pubs. Like other humans in general. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, Overall. even when I'm traveling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People get a few pints and they hear your accent and yeah. You know, generally people that talk to you or they've there's only there's going to talk to you because fuck you you're american yeah right. which mm-hmm. maybe i'll get more of this year uh, yeah. probably i'll welcome that or oh where are you side. where are you from what are you doing here <laughs> yeah yeah um, no and I, that's I, generally more of the people that approach you yeah yeah totally yeah, yeah. I, i'd be like uh, uh philadelphia yeah. and then i will just sit and then they'll ask a couple more questions and they get bored by me because i don't know how to interact with people you know what's crazy <laughs> though because uh over there i found that there was a, 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 a such a you know um a uh, level of celebrity attributed to to authors, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I felt like if if you could get in a conversation about that, yeah. which you know quite about, talk uh, about Hornby, about, you know, yeah. you you could you could absolutely be be in a comfortable mm. comfortable spot. Sure, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I mean, that's pretty awesome to know that there's like that level of uh, esteem. Yeah, there's like billboards of authors and mm-hmm. uh, their their novel that's coming out, much like a coming attraction for a for a movie for SeaWorld. So, uh, they have writers and scientists on their fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh god, yeah, that's, that's we sweet, just have dude. statesmen, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, slave owners. Yeah, on our money. I was, get, I was yeah, like, yeah. beat me to the punch. Yeah, the pub culture is dying over there. Is it? Is yeah. it? Uh, maybe not like the big cities as much because there's just more people. But, but in the rural areas, I thought that's where it was like a strong. You would think, right? Yeah. Oh, what's happening is that younger people aren't aren't embracing the pub culture. They're staying at home because you can go buy a bunch of beer, you know, at the uh-huh. off license, and then yeah, just drink at home, and then maybe just come out for a pint or two. So mm-hmm. there's a huge campaign a couple of years ago about, um, and even in the pubs, they had they had signs coming up like national, like go visit your local night um, oh yeah i see you know what I, that's what i actually loved about yeah. scotland was that it you, seemed strong right at least it in edinburgh. really did like in edinburgh yeah. like there were so many people in the pubs and they were all having like seemingly a wonderful time mm-hmm. and there's poets in the pubs yeah there's, yeah there's i mean in the blind poet in edinburgh you know you had, we had like a a, a a poetry jam just popped up right it was amazing yeah it was like the best thing i've ever seen because you go to a bar around here you see some drunk guy just, hey, uh, uh, do you ever know how to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think that's in this basement. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, too, but, 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 but with that and, and not in support of, of what you're arguing, but like, uh, I remember, uh, during, like we have a bunch of barbecues here during mm-hmm. summer, we had a pop-up, uh, reading. Yeah. Having prompted by you. Oh yeah, you had to. You graduated. You had to read. That's true. Yeah, and I made it up the whole thing. That yeah, was great. Made up a story. Right there. Right there on the spot. Yeah. Were you here for that? No. Huh. Jesus, that's great. It was awesome. That's, it was fun. Well, yeah, because Daniel read, and Mike read, and I think Nick read. I did not read. You did not read? Mm-mm. Oh, that like was just your idea. And it was just. You it was just graduates. Like yep. Dick. Uh, just master. <laughs> yeah. I would like to read Bubba more tear. because I need my ego stroked. 
right. often for my self esteem. <laughs> so whose work are you gonna read? Uh, uh, <laughs> are you drunk now? <laughs> that's what. That's what most drunk people say. Like, do <laughs> <laughs> no. you know what? <laughs> hey, do you know what? You ever been? You ever? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I had, I had one one beer, man. Let me tell you the um, Sammy Smith. What are we looking at with uh, what are we looking at with uh, ABV? ABV. The oh, this this one. I think it's around it's lower, right? five or six. Let yeah. me double check. Maybe five point seven. The cool thing about this is, and this is one thing to get back to to where it's coming from. This is the size of the bottle. Mm. Back there. Yeah. Right. And this is also the size of the fucking glass you get. One point two point seven. Fluid ounces. Yeah, people one listening. One pint, two point seven fluid ounces. Don't don't know the size. He just said. Well, one, he just said it. One okay. pint. Were you listening? Two point seven <laughs> fluid ounces. Okay. Uh, it, I'm sorry. Mike. I do appreciate you, Mike. Tri- if you're you know. if you're into milliliters, it's five hundred fifty. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Excellent. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. He he only measures thing in, in, in milliliters. I keep forgetting. Uh, yeah. So, but but it's but that's the thing is like when you go over there. Um, your your brews are much lower in ABV. It's five percent, and you get a. We get more of it. Uh, yeah, a larger glass. So you drink less. No, I drink more. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh man, I was. Man, I found I found I was myself a fucking drink- fish over there when I was. I That's was, all I did. I was very it. fishy. But I drank half pints, which was nice because they're ten ounces. Yeah. Right? yeah. And every once in a while, someone would, like bust my balls about drinking half pints. Never like the bartender, like whatever. It's was it our program director? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like it's like two pounds for ten ounces, right? Which we're talking, we're you know a few ounces shy of of like a regular bottle of beer or. Yeah. Only a few more ounces shy of like a 16 ounce pint that we would have gotten here. Yeah. But you can try so many more beers and you just right. go to all the pubs. What's the thing? You get fucked up when you try a number of different things. Uh, I tried one thing. I loved Tenants. Mm-hmm. Loved it because it was uh, the regular ass regular beer. Regular ass beer over there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just about to say that. That was but the fucking Budweiser. Like it was to the point where like the first night we were there, we were up for like, what, 36 hours, I guess, because of everything. I was. And no was, one else was. It's like one in the morning. The pubs were closing. We were at the World's End, which for anybody who's never been to Edinburgh, that used to be the, the wall of the city. Uh, yeah. It's right where this, bar, this pub was. Um, and I'm sitting there with Andy. It's a great pub. Great pub. But I, I ruined it because there was a flag above the bar. And I was like, Andy, what, what flag do you think that is? Uh, he, and he's very much like a deadhead sort of like, I don't know, man. Just ask him, man. <laughs> so I go, excuse me, to which football club does that flag belong? And she goes, that's the first flag of Scotland. <laughs> oh. Out. Oh, shit. <laughs> you got kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Fucking right. You deserve that. Man. I know. Damn. I The only... The only thing I wanted to do Jesus. on that trip was not be an American pig. And I was an American right pig away. the Off first the night. Yeah. Yep. That's good for you. Yeah. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> I was covered in Scottish blood <laughs> after the, at the first night. Because I went to a, a punk show yeah. in this fucking back room of a fucking building that was built into a, a piece of rock. From, <laughs> I think that I think that's called Edinburgh. Primordial mm. rock, yeah. And and um and I went into it and and everybody's got their big uh Liberty Spikes and, and everything like that. It's a hardcore show. Yeah. And there's no pit. And so I went in and I started throwing people around and I punched a kid's um 
glass, his whiskey glass, oh. and it, it split my wrist open. Ooh. And so I was bleeding, but then it also went into his arm or something. So he was bleeding, and I was throwing people around. Then I went to the bar, bought him a, bought him a drink, and then my friend Maggie, who was with me, grabbed my sweater and she was like listen i think they're talking about kicking you out i, I think we might need to leave i was like nah man nah i'm gonna show them how we dance and so i went back in and and the second band came on it and and we were rocking out and then it ended up just being that i was too much for him and and, and the, kicked out. the old man the old man was like listen I can't do this, guys. Actually, <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> I've been hearing a lot about it. You, you gotta get the. You gotta get the yeah. <laughs> Italian shit. Like, That's what it sounded like at first. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't do it. They were like, "You gotta get the fuck out of here." Essentially, like you, you gotta go. And then so she and I went on a tour of all of Edinburgh. We hit. We, I don't think we missed a pub. Wow. Because that was at the. It was like seven or eight p.m. Yeah. And I had been up for like 36 and then we just went to everywhere else. I played pool, but we were, I was covered in blood. So anywhere we went, the seas parted like the fucking, yeah. you know, like, like I was Moses. So yeah, very similar story. I'm not going to tell. We can cut what I just said. Um, at the Samuel Smith Brewery, I learned one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, You've been to Samuel Smith Brewery? Well, I'm sorry, not the brewery, the brewery at, at the, uh, at their pub, the, right. uh, at the Prince right, Louis. Right, right, right. Yep. Um, they made their own. They make their own chips, uh, crisps. Right crisps. Uh, ordered. Uh, we we had missed dinner because the restaurant was upstairs and it closes at like eight thirty or nine, and we were just having too much fun drinking, so we missed As dinner. One does. Yeah, and this was like maybe like nine thirty. So we ordered a bag of uh, roast beef crisps. Mm. Sort of fucking oh, dinner. Oh shit! So these guys sitting behind us at a table, um, they kept up every fifteen minutes. They come to the bar, get another round of beers and and a couple bags of crisps. It's such a fun word to say. It's like almost all S's. <laughs> I'm glad you've got these pop filters on the mic. I know. I know. I, I was thinking that the entire time. So they get these bags of of crisps. 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 <laughs> and they don't, they didn't just like open the top and everyone shoves their fucking dirty hands in. They open the bag all the way up. So it's like a plate. Oh, revelation oh, time. Out of here. And I was like, that is revelation street. Even when I eat my own now, that's what I do. So it's just like this plate. Bust got it, yeah. This nice shiny reflective <laughs> who's, plate of who's crisps. saving yeah, who's saving crisps. those crisps? Yeah. Crisps. <laughs> so I owe that to Samuel Smith. Nice. There nice. you go, Sammy. Good shit. I'll be honest. Um the beer is delicious. This might be the my my favorite one. It so smells far. delicious too. That's it's yeah. It it does. It does. I don't know if that's relevant to. It's just, no, I mean, what is it like? You know, talking about mouthfeel. You're talking about what you get up front, what you get in the back. You know, what it, what it smells like with the aromics, aromas. Well, you know, listeners, part of the reason we picked <laughs> this beer is because it's readily available. We we could have went very obscure, and you know, like look at the shit that we're connoisseurs of, and and I've got a couple bottles of those, like a Fuller's Vintage from from 2012. You'll never get that. Go try the Samuel Smith oatmeal stout for yourself. You can pick it up in your local bottle shop. You can order it at the bar. It's, I mean, it is readily available. Yeah. It's one of those ones that I, I know when, when I was a young idiot and newly 21, I had friends that were drinking oatmeal stout. Like I said, my buddy Tom Bannon was drinking oatmeal stouts. He loved it. And, uh, yeah. and, and the <laughs> nut ale. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, cut, cut that for a second. Okay, okay, okay. 
Start over. <laughs> the song's gonna sound great. <laughs> I'm gonna pee my pants. <laughs> Nut ale. <laughs> oh god! It's, it's like five dollars. <laughs> oh, oh man! Okay, uh, right, boys, let's take... get that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we end, I nodded. I... on the table. Oh, oh boy. Oh god. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Fuck. Fuck. All right. All right. Oh, I was going to say serious, damn it. Al first. All right. Here we go. I do want to do a little bit. All right. So, this is the thing. Talking about pub culture, I think it's very real and very important because it's communal and uh and 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 com- community is is key. Jake from Jake's bar in Westchester passed away this week. And I want to say that he was one of the major proponents of putting that into our consciousness as well. The only pub that I ever frequented with the, with the level of frequency that is, is inherently English and Scottish and and British essentially was Jake's bar. I lived across the street, 50 cent beers. Mm -hmm. He set up his bar so that the third shifters would have a place to go. He opened at 8 a.m. He closed at 2 a.m. Wow. And he did that on purpose so that when those guys got off their shift, you would, and you would see them, there'd be a, so it was a college town, right? So the college kids would uh, interact with their elders. He did it on purpose and he passed away this week. He just upped the price to a dollar a beer, but they were 50 cent beers for my entire, for, for years, right? And he did that so that it would be a uh, unifying place so that everybody could afford to go there and yeah. have a few beers, play some shuffleboard. So uh, I would like to say that uh, cheers to pub culture. Yeah. And I think it's a very important thing. It's a very we're, Elvis Costello thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in some way we participate in it by proxy with all of the people listening. So cheers to them. To pop culture. Cheers. Cheers to pop culture. Fuck the man. Fuck the man. Fuck the man. <clears throat> Get him, Nick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nicely done, gentlemen. Social think, media plug. I think that'll, uh, that'll yeah. wrap us up. I'll turn it over to Nick to alert us to what we need to be looking for, for all those little tidbits and, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the place that we communicate. I'm okay. just going to eat popcorn into the microphone while you, <laughs> you read these. People so like that. this is your friendly reminder to look us up on social media at facebook.com slash Podcast on Twitter at bookrecordbeer, and on Instagram at book.record.beer. Also, we're on iTunes now, so don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so we can bring this thing to a wider what have you. Be good, my babies. Cheers. Okay.
Make sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash you son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I've never been to that page. I keep on searching it and it won't come up. I'm seeing sons of bitches, but no book record there. All right. All right. No more fucking fuck. So, so, so again, so again. I'm just here for the comments. <laughs> Okay. Like the old guys in, in Muppets. He's a real life troll. Just a friendly reminder to look us up on social media at Facebook. Oh my God! <laughs> you need vigilance. Yeah, you gotta stay strong. All right. You okay. Go here we go. Power through. Just a reminder to uh, check us out on social media at Facebook.com/slash/BookRecordBeerPodcast. <laughs> vigilance. Here we go. Last time. I'm gonna you need slink. to be very stout. I'm going to slake this fucker. Here we go. test a will. <laughs> okay, here we go. <clears throat> Just a friendly reminder to reach out to us on social media at facebook.com slash bookrecordbeerpodcast. <laughs> it's insurmountable. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, it's the last time. It's the last time. Here we go. You can do it. This is your friendly reminder to look us up on social media at facebook.com slash podcast at Twitter at... <laughs> All right, here we go. We're going to do it again. Okay. This is your friendly reminder to look us up on social media at w- <laughs> www. What the fuck? Okay, here we go. <laughs> this is your friendly reminder to look us up. <laughs> Please put all of this at the end, like after the the, end of the credits. Okay. Mm. This is your friendly reminder to look us up on social media at facebook.com slash bookrecordbeerpodcast on Twitter. Don't forget your popcorn. <laughs> this is your friendly reminder to look us up on Facebook. Okay. This is your friendly reminder to look us up on social media at facebook.com slash bookrecordbeerpodcast on Twitter at bookrecordbeer and on Instagram at book.record.beer. Have a wonderful evening. <laughs> Fucking did it. You see that? <laughs> Postscript. For you cats trying to stay up on the cast, the next episode we'll be looking at Zadie Smith's short story, Miss Adele Amidst the Corsets, which can be found in the Paris Review. We'll also be looking at Nine Inch Nails EP, Broken. Check out the iTunes rate review. Be good, babies. Dick is great, 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 dick is great.